You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands the day from CMR. All right, let's check in with Sandy Hill, CMR. Let's find out what's happening today in the world of news. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, oh, good morning Blake and Aaron. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? A little croaky still. I know. You sound a little croaky. <laughs> you feeling so better? I called my friend yesterday and he's like, what happened to your voice? You sound like Brittany... Um, 
Like Whitney, when she used to wake up in the morning, Whitney Houston, he's a singer. <laughs> I think because you like, talk you know, all day. The, the real singers, Whitney and Mariah Carey, they always say they sound like men when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. After a croaky voice, that's what's going on right now. Right, out there. Voice well, box. you know, if you would cut down on those two packs of cigarettes a day, <laughs> you would. She's on to three now. It's stressful. Uh, I know. I imagine. Yeah. Um, you're talking record, a lot. I've never smoked a day in my life. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking a lot. Oh, you've never smoked a cigarette? No. Never. Wow. No. Not even as a kid in, in no, high school. I think it's the most disgusting thing in the world, actually. Trying to be rebellious, get back at your parents. You didn't do no, any of that? that just, no, that, that wasn't my thing. I, mm. I, I always somehow understood the dangers of even one cigarette, to be honest. That's good. So I never, I've never tried a cigarette. I don't like secondhand smoke. When people are smoking around me, I have to get up and move because it, it bothers me. I'm allergic to it. So no, mm. never. Good for never you. Never a joint, never a cigarette, nothing. Wow. I know. Amazing. What about, what about edibles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sandy, Sandy has claimed that she is a good baker. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, Aaron! I don't know what you're baking. You're killing me! You're killing me! Uh, so, um, so what's going on, folks? There's quite a bit. We have a group amongst us who is calling themselves the Expat Association of the Cayman Islands. Okay. That uh, they contacted the governor about this new bill that's gonna mandate vaccinations. And um, they have quite a bit to say. So we're gonna be discussing that on the show this morning. The governor issued a statement mm -hmm. after I think initially saying that he really had no comment to make. Um, I think he felt it necessary to issue a statement, which he did. Uh, oh, is that why he kind of, yeah. That he supports the government's position. So what's the expat so, association uh, saying? <sighs> what do you think? It's like where where do we begin? Where do we begin, Blake? And why um, I'm an Adam. I'm not a part of this association. Yeah, I'm not either. I didn't get invited. Yeah. Yeah. Probably most sensible this group? wouldn't be a part of this association. Who's in charge? Um, sorry. Who's in charge of this group? Some guy named Steve. It's it's Steve, so right. clandestine that who knows? Uh, but we're gonna break it down this morning. We're gonna gonna go into some details. The other big news is well, that a lot Steve, of government. If Steve doesn't want to get vaccinated, he can leave the island. It, it is pretty simple, really. But yeah, it's real simple. Um, yeah. We've got uh, government on. schools deciding to go ahead and break early for our midterm break. Wait, what? Early as in today. So literally, Wait. they gave no notice. This went out Wait. late yesterday. Hold on. What? Yes. How do you they, just they sent out a press like a release? Week. I want to say this was in the evening saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be um, breaking for school for midterm break tomorrow <laughs> for high schools. How, does, and how then, does that give parents um, well, like proper time it, to sort out their totally, no camps? It totally, totally doesn't. I mean, no. imagine if you have an employer who's not incredibly uh, flexible. Exactly. So they're not going to break early and coming back early. They're extending the time, right? They're adding time, I'm guessing, because... There's all these COVID outbreaks and they just want to shut the schools. That means three weeks or whatever, two weeks with no kids in class. Maybe everybody will isolate. That's yeah, well, this is this is what they said. Um, they basically said that, um, you know, they basically have no teachers after this outbreak and isolation. And, you know, this is one of the things that got me to thinking that maybe they need to have additional uh, available teachers on standby. 
And um, so this bringing it forward was really probably not much of a choice, but it will give them the opportunity to kind of take a breather for a couple of weeks. I think they're out until the 25th, I believe. So I'll then, double check, wow. but, but then what are they going to do about making up that time? Extend the school year? Well, that's one of the questions that a teacher actually sent through to me because she's like, you know, it's mandated by law that students um, have to attend yeah. a certain amount of, you know, obviously instruction time. Mm -hmm. So they haven't said yet how that's going to work if they're going to take from like another break or they're going to extend the school year. There's no indication of, of what they're doing, really. So that remains to be seen. And there's no like at home learning. Not during the midterm break. They're just saying. But that's a whole week of missing school. It's just they missed. Yeah, it's more than it's actually days. more than a week. It's like a couple weeks. Well, yeah. Yeah, actually, um, you're right. I mean, if you think about it, that's I mean, they missed so, so much. School and said they think they'll probably shorten the summer break. So they'll, mm. they'll have to take it from somewhere. You got you got to when you got to pay Peter, you got to steal from Paul. So <laughs> it's pretty simple, really. But uh, yeah, they'll, they'll take it from somewhere. I'm sure of that. So did it's you hear that? Um, nowhere yet. Did you hear that Savannah primary has had a, has a case? Yes. We broke oh. that story yesterday. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Year two yep. um, at Savannah primary additional mm -hmm. um, ones at Clifton Hunter and John Gray. Right. Um, so someone said that it's only three additional days that students are actually missing. So it won't be hard to make that up, but um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll take it from somewhere. So I'm wondering, because I know as a teacher at Savannah Primary, I wonder if if that teacher was vaccinated. Any idea? Mm, I don't know, actually. That's a good yeah. question. You know, lately when they've been telling you, um, the we, we're probably able to figure it out by the numbers they put out today, but they've actually been telling you how many have been vaccinated and how many haven't. The problem with kids, obviously, is they're not eligible to be vaccinated. Right. So um, there is that. Um I mean, it's it's yeah. better when, when you hear that it's a, a teacher and not a, not a kid, because at least you know that 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 adult has the potential to be vaccinated, right. and likely they're wearing a mask and not spreading it. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And in other news, um, the World Health Organization recommends the first malaria vaccine for children. So that was trending yesterday. That's yeah. That's where I draw the line. No malaria <laughs> vaccine. I'm sick of these vaccines. Are you talking about ones for like Africa, like places that have like? I know. Trust me, in some places of the world, malaria is a big deal. That's a, well, that's and the number one killer. I took uh, when I when I went to Zimbabwe, I took uh, I took that malaria tablet so that I couldn't, you know, because we were going to be in the bush. I got a, a yellow. Better. I got a yellow fever vaccine for South Africa. Yeah, but that's only if you went through West Africa. I went through uh, Accra. 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 Yeah, yeah. That, then you have to have a yellow fever if you go through West Africa down. Uh, I've never flown that way. But yeah, no, South Africa, I've never taken a malaria tablet or anything when we've gone to the bush because it's been fine. But we were in, you know, it's a, it's a big deal there. And everyone has a story about someone with that that's died or, you know, from malaria there. It's very sad. So that's good news. I got that yellow fever vaccine yeah. here. At, yeah. And they never asked for it. Or well, I, proof but if it. they did, then you'd be stuck. Like, what do you want to do? Turn around on the plane and go back from Africa? No, but I thought it was going to be like, okay, uh, in order to let you in the country, you know, we're going to have to see your vaccinate. None of that happened. It's Africa. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Africa. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Also um, opening their vaccine booster clinics. So there are dates available. So if you are one of the many people, there's a long list of people that they recommend it for people with Down syndrome, organ plants, transplant recipients, people with cancer,
who are undergoing active chemotherapy or radiation treatment, um, you know, cancers of the blood, bone marrow, leukemia, like all sorts of stuff. That was for people over 50. Immunotherapy. That's why I was raising my hand. You're you're on the list of people that they want um, to definitely, women who are pregnant, um, kidney disease, you know, they've got a long list of people. So basically, if you have any comorbidities is what it sounds like that are considered serious, you will want to get a booster shot. And um, what if there's any, uh, do you, have you talked to anybody that's had a booster shot? Um, not yet. I what feel like Miss Darlene, who listens to her show, well, she's in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, she is um, uh, eligible for it there. And I think she was preparing to get hers. I'm not sure if she has yet. I wonder but if no, her, I haven't, her, I haven't spoken her, to anyone who's had it. I wonder if there's any side effects to that. Booster but like, shot. I mean, it would be the same. Well, it would be the same. Yeah. A little bit lethargic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I think a couple of my family members already uh, in the States got their booster. And, eh, you know, obviously we never talked about it afterwards because it wasn't a big deal. They right. just are like, oh, cool, more protected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, busy so show. A bit of breaking news that just came in. One of yeah. my uh, CMR co anchors here. Uh, Kevin says that Pfizer officially asked the FDA for emergency use authorization for the COVID vaccine for kids 5 to 11. Oh, yeah, I see that. I just got that on my phone as well. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so, let me look at my phone. Okay. I get no, those, no one told me. Well, because you don't get breaking news <laughs> alerts. You're, you're not in the club. You know what? I you turned better sign off. up for some breaking news alerts, girl. You know what? That's right. You know why I turned off the breaking news alerts? Because when I when Ethan was three months old <laughs> and I woke up and I was breastfeeding in the middle of the night, trying not to be depressed about the election, and BuzzFeed sent it through a breaking news alert that Donald Trump was elected, and I went into a deep depression. <laughs> oh my gosh! So since then, I don't want any news reports. <laughs> Uh, well, breaking so news. The, having uh, the baby didn't put you in depression. No, it was I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Joe Biden was elected president. So you didn't, probably didn't get that news alert. So I don't. Oh, did, you, was he? You probably thought the Trump was still president. The over? Oh, it's okay. over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just doesn't know what's going on in the world. If it wasn't for CMR, it should be like. It's just true. Land. It's you like true. my new, uh, you like my yeah. new coffee mug? Oh, nice. It's a court. Where do you get that one from? That's like an army style. They call that camouflage. Um, Very nice. uh, Oh, it's by that company. They make very good um, insulated products, actually. They do. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little gift, a little uh, little present for my wife, just for being being a good husband. Wow. You must be a really good husband. (laughs) (laughs) Happens once a year. (laughs) A present for no reason. Yeah. I know. Kind of crazy. The other day, I uh, I got a joke about my husband. The other day, um, he was like working hard. A lot of days he goes without lunch and whatever. He doesn't eat. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm starving. You don't make him lunch. And so I had a smoothie delivered and he messaged me. He's like, are you trying to get wife of the year award? He's so funny. Yeah. Makes you, makes a guy raise an eyebrow. Hmm. Mm. What's going on? Yeah. What does she want? Yeah. Why is she being nice? Mm. Too nice. What's going on? <laughs> anyway, um, catch Sandy right now on awesome. Facebook and YouTube. And yes, two hundred and sixty folks, sixty-two right. folks already tuned in. Let's get it. Let's get it. You guys have right. a good one. Hey, oh, tomorrow. Too- wait, tomorrow is old school Fridays. Already? Oh my gosh! It's I Friday. know. Wait. Sandy, you want to pick a year? Uh, how far back do you go? We could go to the eighties. Or we can we can go as high as it, you know the early two thousands as well. So in okay. two thousand twenty, 
Uh, <laughs> let's do 1996. Have you done 96 recently? Actually, I don't think we I don't have think done we 96. Have 90, no, uh-uh. it was pre Hanson. Yeah. 1996 tomorrow. 1996. Come all with right. a song. Get your awesome. hubby to get a song together. All right. Sounds good. Sounds we'll see good. You tomorrow. Sure, it's AC. All right, guys, have a good yeah. night. All, right. Yeah. all right, folks, we got a full show ahead of us today. Uh, pardon the croaky voice. It is what it is. Like a frog is in there. <clears throat> I got my tea again this morning. I got a banana. That's breakfast and some water. This morning's tea selection is a passion. What is it called? A little tea bag fell in. So I don't want to stick my hand in there, but I'll tell you, it's some kind of um, energizer bunny passion tea or something. Mm. <sighs> Delicious. Ervalyn, good morning. Jonathan from St. Martin, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. The beautiful Miss Alice. Alice, do you still have your hair green? I noticed in your profile picture you had it dyed green. Uh, Miss Ervlin says, hope you had a wonderful night. I should have every single night. I'm like, I should go to bed early. Wishful thinking, it just never seems to happen. I was in bed though by almost one o'clock. So some nights it's later than that. Um, but yeah, I, I really need to, like, I need to enforce a bedtime for myself, like I do for my daughter. So she's now, we're getting her down by 8.30, which for a five-year-old, I understand, is probably still an hour too late, but that's the best we can do with her. Before that, she's just, like, not going to sleep. And then if you make her go to bed too early, she's up at three o'clock in the morning, and she's like, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, go where? Go back to sleep. So 8.30 seems to be working fairly well. Um, in a couple months, we're going to see if we can adjust it to eight o'clock. So you kind of keep moving the needle a little bit. Uh, buenos dias to Elizabeth Moya. Uh, Omeria is here. Good morning. Good morning. Louis joining us from Detroit. Marshall from North Carolina. Miss Sue. Carol says that group does not represent me. We're going to talk about it, Carol, because I'm trying to figure out who the heck they represent, really. This expat group. Mm, you know they're trying to get under people's skin, I think, with this whole expat association of the Cayman Islands. Anne-Marie, Charlene, Odette, Diamond Princess Sapphire, Wee Wee, Charlene, says Steve is another Karen. <laughs> yes, honey child. If, if you know who Karen is, you know who Karen is. Uh, Ms. Sue says it doesn't give the parents any time to organize. So why just um, government schools, not private schools? Well, the private schools, they do their own thing. Government doesn't tell private schools what to do. Up to a certain point, I should say. So, um, and I don't think that the private schools have had um, quite the outbreak that the government schools have had. So there is that detail as well. Uh, Mr. Uh, Hero Blair says, thanks for being the most informative news outlet in the island. Uh, you sound a lot better today. Yes, <clears throat> I think I'm getting a little bit better. I actually took a, um, oh gosh, what's it called? I took a allergy tablet last night because I feel like what I've really got left is just um, like the congestion like, but it's like coughing congestion, not, not in my sinuses. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I've always found in the past that, um, you know, a Benadryl will actually help suppress that quite a bit. 
So that's what I took the last two nights. Um, and that's pretty much it. <clears throat> but definitely I'm feeling even today that it's not as much. Miss Charlene says, Caymanians, uh, wake up more and stay woke. Listen, this is our country and whoever don't like it, uh, don't want to take the job. All right. Well, let's talk about that, Miss um, Charlene. Good morning, Felicia. Good morning, Andrea. <clears throat> says the worst variant of COVID is CUC. <laughs> Andrea, oh my God, don't make me laugh, please. Um, <clears throat> she said, them out for mad people every month, my light bill gone up and me not burn nothing. Mm -mm -mm. Lord have mercy. Um, so what a hot mess. Uh, what do you say to locals who don't want to take it? I say you're a fool, like Mr. T would say. You're a fool. You better take that COVID shot. Ah. <laughs> Woo, what a heat. Uh, Miss Sue. Hey, Jake, what's up? Woo, Jake says I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Um, Jake. That sounds so incredibly naughty. Uh, Louis gives us his little weather update from his quarantine garden in Detroit. 65 degrees for a high and 75 degrees. Wait a minute. 65 degrees Fahrenheit is the high today. And then what's 75? 75 sounds like the high. Winds at 10 miles an hour. It sounds kind of windy. Uh, Rachel says that they're not being forced to take it. However, God forbid they have an emergency and they can't be handled here. They won't board any air ambulance to go to the U.S. Oh, talking about the Caymanians. Yes. You know what? I honestly think that most Caymanians are going to fall in line because y'all love a Miami. Oh, Miami's having a sale. All Miami has to do is announce they're having a back to school sale. Everybody's going to be lining up, getting the jab so they can go to back to school sale. Uh, so Silverback Gorilla says it's classism. Classism. Mm, I don't think that's the right word, silverback gorilla. Um, not quite. Oh, Alice is going to do her pink hair and support a breast cancer month. Oh, beautiful. Make sure you update the photo so we can see it. All right, silverback. Um, you're mad this morning. Why are you mad? Don't be mad. Be glad. Turn that smile, that frown upside down. You know, the good stuff they used to tell you as a little kid. Let's get it, folks. Let's get into it. Miss Charlene, uh, don't dare invade mine and myself space. They can guarantee I'll be dealing with it if necessary because them of all sickens my spirit and soul. They were raised at vaccines and then most of them are resetting positive behavior. Yes, buenos dias, buenos dias, Emma. She says, buenos dias, mi familia CMR. Buenos dias, my CMR family. Uh, que tengan un día seguro y bendecido para todos. So, um, like, I hope you have a, a good day, like a secure day, and, you know, with God, God's blessings for everybody. Rough translation. <laughs> um, Tracy says, funny that nobody has the flu anymore. I don't know why people keep saying that. Of course people have the flu. <clears throat> people have the flu. That's people do have the flu. It's just that nobody's talking about it. Nobody cares if you have the flu <laughs> because at the end of the day, um, you know, the flu is not likely to kill you, but COVID is. 
So we got a comment here that says, thank God for online shopping. Well, I'm thanking God for online shopping because although I'm vaccinated, I have no intentions of going anywhere anytime soon. However, if something were to happen to me and I needed to be air ambulance off, I know that I'm ready because I'm vaccinated. So the U.S. is not going to be turning me back. Uh, they're not going to be saying, nope, keep her. Send her to Jamaica where no vaccinations are required to enter yet. Okay. Let's talk about this expat association. So I was thinking about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm a little bit, um, all right. You know, I can't, I can't lie to you guys. I have to tell you the cold hard truth. Annoyed or pissed off? Which one am I? I'm not really pissed off because I'm not entirely surprised by the antics that certain people will pull, even at a time like this. But I do think it's highly disrespectful. So let me let me try to um, break it down, right? Oh, Kevin says, start your Thursday with an attitude of optimism. It's going to be a good day. Uh, speaking of optimism, Kevin, hold on. Let me see my daily own. Why don't, why don't we start out with a moment of zen? before I probably lose a little bit of my Zen. Let's go with, um, <laughs> let's go with uh, a daily Om. And um, this one is entitled, I've just looked it up here. It's called Worth. And it says your worth is not a product of your intelligence, your talent, your tools, or how much you've accomplished. Oh, well, this is a perfect message for Caymanians and expats alike. This is a great message. Um, the much of you and what we are changes as we journey through life, our inherent worth remains constant. While the term self-worth is often used interchangeably with self-esteem, the two qualities are inherently different. Hmm. Self-esteem is the measure of how you feel about yourself at a given time, a given moment in time. Your worth, however, is not a product of your intelligence, your talent, your looks, your good works, or even how much you've accomplished. Rather, it is an immeasurable and unchanging manifestation of your eternal and infinite oneness with the universe. Hmm. It represents the cornerstone of the dual foundations of optimism and self-belief. Your worth cannot be taken from you or damaged by life's rigors yet it can easily be forgotten or even actively ignored. By regularly acknowledging your self-worth, you can ensure that you never forget what an important, beloved, and special part of the universe you are. You are born worthy. Interesting. Your worth is intertwined with your very being. Your concept of your own self-worth is thus enforced by your actions. Every time you endeavor to appreciate yourself, Treat yourself kindly, define your personal boundaries, be proactive in seeing that your needs are met, and broaden your horizons, you express your recognition of your innate value. During those periods when you have lost sight of your worth, you will likely feel um, mirrored in depression, insecurity, and a lack of confidence. You'll pursue a counterfeit worth based on judgment rather than the beauty that resides within. When you feel worthy, however, you will accept yourself without hesitation. 
It is your worth as an individual who's simultaneously interconnected with all living beings that allows you to be happy, confident, and motivated. Because your conception of your worth is not based on the fulfillment of expectations, you'll see your mistakes and failures as just another part of life's journey. Human beings are very much like drops of water in an endless ocean. Our worth comes from our role as distinct individuals, as well as our role as an integral part of uh, something larger than ourselves. Simply awakening to this concept can help you rediscover the copious and awe-inspiring worth within each and every one of us. Hmm. Interesting. Nice positive message. I like it. Um, there was something in here that I thought about that made me think about this whole expat thing as well, which is obviously on the forefront of my mind. Um, okay. We do have some guests who are coming on, by the way. Let me just see. Um, okay. All right. So let's, uh, let me just see. Let me find out what time our guest is coming because what I might do is have her come on now just a few minutes early because I feel like once I get into this other conversation, we probably will be spending, um, <laughs> woo. Uh, okay. So she's not ready. She's still getting ready. Um, all right. So five minutes. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Let's, let's just start the conversation. Y'all know mm, it's hard not to start the conversation. Let's just start the conversation. Jared says expats are replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. <laughs> um, but okay, let, let me just back it up a little bit and put in context from where I'm coming from. Um, I have been an expat in somebody else's country. As many of you know, um, I lived in America for 15 years. I pretty much grew up in the States. I left here when I just turned nine. And I didn't return until I was in my 20s. I completed my first degree. I did elementary school, starting with the fourth grade, middle school, high school, went all the way through. And um, as a visitor in another man's country, there were limitations put on me immigration-wise. Uh, there were times when when I hit university, I didn't even know what my immigration status was because as a kid, you don't think about these things. I didn't know what my aunt had to go through, in fact, to even get me into the U.S. The fact that she had to provide like bank account statements to their immigration services there. She had to prove to immigration that she had the means um, to have me in her household and to take care of me. And I would not become a burden on the state or anybody else for that matter. Um you know, there were applications at the wazoo that had to be submitted and applied for. And then when I got to the university stage, I remember them saying to me, oh, by the way, little girl, you are an international student. I'm like, what the heck is that? What's an international student? I've been here since I was nine years old. America didn't care. They were like, so you came in under this um, category as an international student. Nothing has changed and you remain an international student. So what did that mean for me? <clears throat> it meant 
that I had to uh, pay an international student fee, which was like four times the state intuition. So I was like, damn, this is the life of an international student. I'm not here on a government scholarship. That's a lot of money. Ooh, honey child. So we um, did all sorts of fanciness with immigration to try to see how we could. Um, and you know what was so funny? It's ironically enough, I had won some academic scholarships in the U.S. Um, one of them was from a law firm, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, for a debate that I participated in. And, um, you know, they, they were like, oh, we want to help you with this situation because they had uh, immigration attorneys on their team. And so they provided some assistance with me at least getting in-state status so that I didn't have to pay this exorbitant out-of-state fee. But other than that, they didn't give two hoots, right? They're like, listen, you're an international student. We know business. It is what it is. So a lot of my Caymanian friends um, and family and associates, they've never lived abroad. And a lot of expats in Cayman haven't lived anywhere else either. So a lot of people come here. This is like they were either Canadians and they came straight to Cayman. They're Americans. So they've never had to deal with the other side of the coin. And I think it is important to have had the opportunity to deal with the other side of the coin because it gives you a bit of insight into how things really work in the real world. Now, in the United States of America, I can tell you, right? Um, you have rights, some rights, uh, are universal and there are other rights that are conferred upon you because you are an American citizen, just like anywhere in the world. There are certain jobs you can't hold in America. If you're not a born American citizen, um, there's certain, you know, you can't run for president. Um, if you're not American born, for example, there's certain federal jobs that they reserve for born American citizens. And this is anywhere in the world. And so the concept that people, and it's a, it, in the back of my mind, it's like a colonialism kind of concept, right? Where I can move anywhere in the world and I get to demand um, my rights. So I get to say, well, you know, no, I wasn't born here, but I should still be able to run for president of the United States. Or I need to have this federal government job because, you know, I just feel like that goes against my human rights. We have, in a sense, and I'm all for human rights, believe me when I tell you, but I think that the argument has sometimes in the realm of the average person gone so far the other way that you think you have a human right to everything. You want to be a child molester. Well, I have a human right to molest children. No, you don't. You know, you want to be a thief. Well, that's my human right. It's like, a bill of rights, human rights doesn't extend to everything. So, you know, just throwing that argument out there and hoping that it sticks to every single thing is a bit stupid if you really want the truth. Because in the world of law, constitutional law, human rights, that's not how it really works. So am I perturbed and um, a bit put off? by someone even having the audacity to set up an expat association of the Cayman Islands? Yes. <laughs> Why would you even need to do that? You see, this is where now I think as Caymanians, we have given away the entire plot. We've said, here's the mansion, the beach, 
the less desirable areas. Here's the key to the entire island, and you guys can just do and say whatever you want. Because there's no way that people could come here and feel this comfortable, although I'm going to address that um, in a bit about their level of comfortableness. But they still have a sense of, oh, we can come here and make certain demands on the people of the Cayman Islands and what y'all going to do about it. That's the attitude that I'm getting from these individuals. And when you read what they say, right, it's so incredibly interesting. We will dissect their one page website to see uh, what their position is and what mantra they're operating under. But I also know that no one can come into your house. Talking about worth, their daily um of the day was talking about your worth, right? If we as a people understood, truly understood our worth, there is nobody that could come here and talk any kind of shenanigans to us and tell us any uh, BS, and um, that would be acceptable. No, that's not how it works, right? So when you know your self-worth and you appreciate that you are actually worthy, right? Other people appreciate that as well. What am I talking about? Trust me. When people know that you have infighting, that you have a racial divide in your own country, you have an economic divide, you have a us versus them, you have a Caymanian versus an expat divide, they will come in, certain people, and I always think this is the minority of people, but that's all you need to really, um, you know, erode the confidence of an entire country. But if we understood our self-worth as Caymanians, nobody in their bloody mind would come here and be trying this kind of baloney. But they know Caymanians are a group of people that are divided at their very core. Oh, Lord Jehovah. How many ways are we divided? We are divided... Um, in so many respects. <clears throat> Sorry. Um. Hmm. Um, okay, our guest is having a bit of an issue. Let me just find my phone. I'm not really sure. Kevin, can you tell me when you click on the invite link what normally happens? This guest seems to be having an issue. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So, you know, when we are divided... Um, amongst each other, it becomes so much easier <coughs> oh, sorry. to pick us off um, one by one. And I tell you what, <clears throat> people know that, right? So they come in and they see that they can divide and conquer. That's why they say that. 
Um, and it makes them so incredibly <clears throat> comfortable doing what they do. But like I said, if we had the ability <clears throat> to stand together unified, there is no way that anybody else could come and try to undermine us as a country. So that's the first thing that I want to say about this whole situation. Because really, in my mind, once we understand that this is our fault, it's our fault that somebody else could be so comfortable coming here. And for the sole purposes of fighting this vaccine mandate, they have set up, because this page was set up September 23rd, uh, they have set up this um, expats association of the Cayman Islands. It's so funny. You never needed an expat association of the Cayman Islands before that date. I'm just saying, you know, expats have obviously been coming here from day one. Uh, some people argue that, um, you know, without expats, you know, where would Cayman be? There's all sorts of arguments. I don't even want to get into all of that. But what I want to say is this. Cayman has, in my mind, been an extremely welcoming and friendly uh, community, perhaps a little bit too much so. And this is why someone can feel comfortable trying to exert um, that they have more rights than other people in a sense. And um, our ability to embrace people, you know what You know what the old Caymanian people would say? Don't take my niceness for me being a fool. Don't take my kindness uh, for me being foolhardy or for me being a fool. And this is what happens because we treat people better than ourselves a lot of times. You know, people come in, we put them on a pedestal. We, oh my God, you're so wonderful. You've got so many skills, this, that, and the next thing. And, you know, they're like, whoa, I'm a God here. I'm a demagogue. It's like, what the heck is this? And no, you're not. You're human just like everybody else. I have seen in my observations, I'll tell you how <clears throat> interesting Cayman is. When I first moved back, and again, because I've had that experience of having lived abroad for many, many years, as a visitor, as an expat in somebody else's country, come back to the Cayman Islands. Um, when I first came back, I would hear Caymanians. You know, I was working in a law firm and I would hear Caymanians complaining, oh, we're being treated less than this or whatever. And initially I thought, is this in their heads or is this actually happening? And so I took a minute to make some observations of my own. It didn't take me long to figure out that there is a great divide. There is a great divide amongst the expat population and a lot of the Caymanian population. And a lot of expats <clears throat> don't see the divide. So when they come here, you know, it's human nature to seek out people like you, just like Caymanians. When y'all go to Miami, Canada, halfway around the world, the first thing you do is try to find a Caymanian if you can find them. If you can't find a Caymanian, then you try to find the next adjacent thing. So you seek out yardies. Bahamians, you know, you look for Caribbean people. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently because that's a little bit of human nature. But it is important that when you go to another man's country that you understand the necessity to integrate into that country. You don't remain separate and apart. And unfortunately, this is what has largely happened here in the Cayman Islands. So we have had a separate and apart mentality for a very long time. And the expats, I think when they come here, they immediately get a sense of how it works, right? And 
And, um, you know, they start to set up these mommy groups and play dates and all this other stuff that it's us and then the Caymanians and local people and maybe even Caribbean people are kind of in a different corner. Like I said, we're partly responsible for that. And I'll tell you how we can take responsibility for it. So sometimes I will have, um, you know, a my daughter goes to a private school. Um, she's only five years old, so she's in daycare still. Not daycare, it is a school. Um, and I'll have expats parents, you know, let's do a play date. Now, I know a lot of commanders like, no, 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 no. I don't want to have a play date with them. Uh, my child is going to hang out with their cousins, their Caymanian family, and that's it. So I think that there are people who, who do come here and want to integrate and they want to learn more about, you know, the Caymanian way of life. They're asking questions. And sometimes we're not as open to that experience as perhaps we should be. Because there have even been times when I myself was like, mm, mm. and then I say, well, you know, this is good experience for my daughter. She actually likes this other child. Um, she needs to live in a multicultural uh, world and even came in with over 130 something nationalities um, is multicultural as well. So exposing yourself to other cultures is very, very important. You know, it was one of the biggest things for me about university life, having been extremely sheltered growing up with an aunt that was like super protective, super strict and a hypochondriac on top of all of that. Um, my exposure level was very limited until I got to university. And then I was like, wow, met a friend from Malaysia. Would go to her dorm room, her apartment, sit down and eat her Malaysian food, ask her about her food and her culture. And I was always a curious person. Why are you eating with your hand? We eat with forks in America. And she would explain why and why she's eating with her left hand and not her right hand and all these sorts of things. I'm like, hmm, okay. My first boyfriend uh, was Sri Lankan. And that taught me a whole lot about his culture and about the import of immigrants into the US and how important that was to making the United States, well, you know, the US has gone back 30 years now, but back then, uh, much more of a microcosm of people from all over the world. So, um, it is what it is. I find that when people come here, however, they don't necessarily have that experience or necessity where they feel like they have to integrate. Someone just said, it's like, um, we must behave as house guests. He says, where do you get off? Where do they get off calling themselves representative expatriates? I'm an expat that's been here long enough to call it donkey years. And they don't speak for me, nor do I, nor did I ask them. We must behave as house guests, thankfully participating within the culture that has allowed us to be here. And I get I believe, thank you for that comment, that the vast majority of um, expats in this country feel that way. They understand the concept of being a house guest <clears throat> and being a good house guest at that. So when someone goes out of their way to set up this expat page, Expat Association of the Cayman Islands, to me, this is a little bit you know, they're playing politics, they're meddling in something that if they had any real sense, um, they probably should just leave alone. 
However, um, I see you, Sherry Ann. Give me a few minutes. I see you logging in with Kenneth Bryan's name. <laughs> so we'll, um, we can't hear you yet. Give me, give me one quick second. So, you know, I'm going to continue this conversation. I do want to bring Sherry Ann on for a little bit because Sherry Ann is doing a lot um, to help our brothers and sisters in Honduras and Banaka. And so we want to give her some time. But I see tons of comments um, coming in. I want to talk about this concept of Steve. You know, I don't know who Steve is, but we want to talk about him uh, after we speak to Sherry Ann. So Sherry Ann, are you ready? How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am great. I am wonderful. I am wonderful and blessed. We are blessed in this little island, I must tell you. Yes. Thank you so much for um, joining the program today. Now, Sherry Ann, <laughs> I know that you have been hard at work um, doing a number of things to assist the people of Banaka. So we do have some photos here of some of the things that you have been busy doing. So give me one second. I'm just going to share this. And then you can tell us what this is all about and what you've been up to. Thank you. So this is a donation of goods that you're preparing to um, send to Banaka. Now tell me why, Sherry Ann, were you motivated to help the people of um, the Keys there, the Bay Islands? Okay, the Bay Islands, um, my, my husband was from the Bay Islands and my kids are for my husband. So I've been to Banaka about uh, 67 times. That's my favorite little island. There's no cars there, you know, and it's a beautiful island. and. They're in need right now. And I stepped up to the plate because we got families, sisters, brothers, uncles, my kids, all of their cousins are from there. All of their houses is um, just burnt right out. So I decided to jump on this right away and assist immediately. Um, it's hard work, but I'm getting it done. I have gotten five containers donated from Hyde Shipping. And we have one container almost full already. I had a lot of donations the day before and last night. We had a huge meeting at the um, Honorable McKeever Bush House, which he's the chairman of this company. And it's um, it's a humanitarian team. We got it named Banaka Humanitarian Team. Mm -hmm. So we've been working hard. We need a lot of stationary supplies, everything, anything that we can get. Um, yeah. I just want tell you the people that's on board so far and the persons that have don donated those items came from Hurley's supermarket from Randy Marin he sent a large truck yesterday I have a large truck coming in this morning from Reliable, Miss Sharon um, we have a lot of clothes and shoes donated already, I have a half, more than half of a container donated, I have sofas um, I'm going to be needing sheets, pampers, everything um, I'm going to give you the locations at the end where you can deliver the rest of the items, mm -hmm. but they're in dire need. They're in dire need. There's a lot of people that lost their homes, you know, mm -hmm. and anyone, anyone that's listening to this that can step up to the plate and assist immediately. I'm going to give the locations of all the mm -hmm. locations. We have every, every district, a location drop off. Right. So um, basically, um, Sherry Ann, um, you know, you are through your um, husband, connected to um, the islands, the Bay Islands, and you have maintained mm -hmm. that connection, although your husband, um, unfortunately, has passed away. You have maintained those connections to family there. And um, I know that you, you know, visit there, you make sure that your kids know uh, where they've come from. 
And so you felt moved to help the people of Banaka after the fire on Saturday. Now, the fire was very devastating. Do you know of anyone personally that has lost um, their home in that fire? Yeah, all the Linwoods, all the Linwoods in there um, um, has lost their homes down there. Um, mm -hmm. It's over 200 people that lose their homes. And they're all family that come for that key right there. Um, we got Pastor Cleve Borden um, of Church of God, mm -hmm. the Gospel of Guanaja. He's mm -hmm. going to be collecting the, the stuff that's once it's being donated because he lost his house. His sister lost her home over there. And mm -hmm. all of the family, they're all family to my children, which that's my children's uncle. And, you know, he and their, their, their cousins, their everyone, you know, they all lost their homes on that side. It's really devastating. And I, I really felt that that really, I, I, it, it took my heart because I know what the island is. The people are beautiful and it's just, it's just something that's really devastating. And Guanaja is in my heart. It's to my heart. <laughs> Dearly. Yes. Wow. So, um, Sherianne, we have a little video clip here that we're going to play of um, one of the containers being loaded up. So, this is even the My dog is in on it. Is here, and she's <laughs> so ready that's to a lot of supplies. This is mostly food supplies at this point. So it's mostly food supplies that you're sending off at this point, um, Sherry Ann? At this point, I got mostly food supplies, drinks, sanitizers, um, toiletry, toilet paper. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is straight out. I got toilet paper. I got sanitizers, um, wipes um, from the um, hurlers. They got water and they got juices. Um, right now, I'm waiting on um, Reliable to deliver. She's going to deliver um, plates, forks, spoons, um san sanitizers again which is needed muchly um gloves and cleaning items so we spoke to fosters and they're putting a truck together for us and it's going to be delivered also uh we spoke to cost you less um the honorable minister turner is uh donating also i think she's going to be donating sheets and um women hygiene um mm -hmm. items which is needed badly Mm -hmm. over there um watler metal products which is bob watler he'll be donating i spoke to um flowers water company they're going to be donating two crates of water today um mm -hmm. i also spoke to frankie flowers at the block factory and they're going to be donating the women's um feminine hygiene necessities some of it and um i would like to tell you i want to tell you what we really need so this yes. is what I want to get down to the deep source. So we need toilet tissue, we need sanitary, um, feminine supplies, toothpaste, bath soaps, washing soap, deodorant, pampers. We need pampers also for the elderly. That's most important. The mm -hmm. pampers for the children, yes, but the elderly mm -hmm. needs pampers. Mm -hmm. We need pillows. We need pillows, Okay. sheets, canned goods, sugar, flour, you know the back end uses a lot of flour, so you didn't need some flour, and that yeah. will help. That goes a long way because that stretches. We need powder milk. We need cereal, corn flakes, to uh, towels, rags, cleaning supplies, mop, brooms, anything that they can assist with in that in that area. Um, I also got a letter signed from the. Um, what about the rebuilding effort, Sherryanne? Are you guys doing anything in terms of um, yes. like building we materials? Have. Yes, we have. 
we have um, spoken to also uh, Miss Orma Arch is the treasurer for this company, and she has spoken to um, Dart, and okay. they're asking for the container to be loaded down there. But um, okay. right so now, this is Miss Orma, a good friend from Miracle Brokers. Yes, she is, and she is she is working on board with me hand in hand. I was in her office from ten o'clock until twelve thirty yesterday, and she is a treasurer for the company. So mm -hmm. also want to that anyone wants to donate money, my, uh, all monies must be donated to the premier office or it can be donated to the Honorable McKeever's um, office or it can be delivered to American Broker's office to Ms. Ormer Arch herself. So she, all monetary dona donations will be going directly to those three people. I will not collect no funds at all, just mm -hmm. supplies. I have the containers yes. and the space for supplies. Yes. Um, and I think that's important because we've seen in other instances in the past where people were do were collecting um, donations. I mean, I'm thinking of a particular young man and he had a container full of stuff that was supposed to go help some poor people in Haiti. And, you know, because he didn't, he got a lot of donations, but he hadn't figured out the logistics of actually getting the goods to Haiti. The stuff never mm -hmm. left came in. And then when oh. he subsequently ran for an election, he was taking goods out of that container given to people who he wanted to vote for him. So we got to make sure that this stuff is organized well. So Sherry Ann, I'm glad to see that people like yourself, Miss Irma, uh, the Speaker of the House, Mr. Bush, are all um, leading this because you know, we have the Honorable, the Honorable Premier, he's on board with me 100%. Yes. It's just that he's been busy. So he left it up to me and my team to organize. My assistant is Omira Gordon. Um, I have... Miss Torna Douglas donating her time after work, and she's a CBC officer. I have Elvis Cook. He's a CBC officer. He's donating his time in the evenings after work. Now, oh, big up to Elvis I and everybody who's helping you. Um, right. So, Miss Emma wants to know about drop off, and Patricia's asking if there's a bank account number for people who want to do donations online. So, here's um, some of the locations, folks, where you can drop off uh, goods. So, Garnett. You've got West Bay um, from Tuesday to Friday from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Langley Powery Building. That's that big white building next to Heritage Park by Ed Bush Field. You can contact Sophia Bryan or Ava Tomlinson. Uh, you've got North Side. They're doing donations at the Craddock Civic Center. Uh, contact Feliciana Ebanks. And in East End, um, they're doing some some there in Seaview Road at a Carmely Pearson residence. And the contact for that is pending. Do we, do we have a contact for East Enders yet? Yes, we will contact her today. She just was not available at the moment. Um, okay. I think she was in a meeting all day yesterday. Okay. So yeah. um, again, folks, this is a collection for the people of Guanaja, AKA Banaka. Uh, please donate and give what you can. Um, you know, I would imagine that they need a lot of uh, building supplies and cleaning supplies at this particular time. I'm sure that Miss um, Sharon from Reliable will be sending, you know, sanitary cleaning supplies because after, you know, a disaster like this, one of the biggest things is, you know, short of the post-disaster, people getting infections. Um, there were some people who were severely burnt, I know, that and had smoke inhalation that had to be sent to Rotan um, for treatment. So there's a, a significant need 
I thank you so much to all of the organizations. Uh, Sherry Ann mentioned that the DART organization is going to be helping with some um, building supplies and so forth as well. And I imagine right now the biggest thing is trying to clean up the, the fire debris. I don't even know where all that debris is going to go, but hopefully they're doing it in an environmentally safe way. The disposal of that debris and then to help these people try to rebuild their lives as quickly as possible. So uh, Sherry Ann shared with us folks that there's a um, real urgency for uh, feminine products, toiletries, um, diapers for babies and adult diapers for some of the elderly people who rely um, on those sheets. as well. Pillows, sheets. Pillows and sheets, okay. Yeah, they have nowhere to live. And I would like also to thank um, Hyde Shipping. They donated the containers. Very good. And, yeah. So how and many also, containers do you have um, so far? I have five containers. Okay. Five right. containers. Hoping, um, one, one, one is the hope that the stuff will leave Cayman and we try to get all together as soon as possible to get it to leave out of here next week, Monday. Uh -huh. um, so we're, we're, we're really working diligently. Even on Sunday, we're going to be working this Sunday and this Saturday. So we're going to be collecting items all day Saturday and all day Sunday. But the only point is we're going to start uh, from Saturday from 12 in the afternoon until 6. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. if, if and someone else shared that um, the immediate recovery needs or cleaning materials, our rakes and brooms, shovels, pitchforks, uh, safety equipment for the cleanup crew, so helmets, work boots, and gloves. And then they have immediate victim needs, uh, mattresses, pillows, linens, powdered milk, uh, pampers, feminine hygiene products, adult diapers. And in terms of long-term recovery, construction material to help rebuild the community. So that came from the governor of the Bay Islands. Um, someone just sent us that list. Yeah, I just Again, have that. Um, there yeah. is this Banaka relief, uh, folks. Please, 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 um, you know, if you can help in any way, uh, dig deep. I'm going to go through a few things um, today. I don't want to send anything, obviously, that isn't needed, but um, there's going to be a dedicated cargo flight also out of the premier's office um, headed to Guanaja on October the 12th. Is that this weekend? I feel like that's this weekend. That's this weekend. Uh, that's on oh. Tuesday, actually. So yeah. that's going to be going there. Um, more information is going to be coming in terms of that effort in the next couple of days. So Sherry Ann, um, thank you so much. And someone saw that you were drinking out of your CMR mug, girl. Hold up that mug, proud and loud. I just want to say a couple of messages before I leave, though. Here's my yes. mug. Here's my coffee for the morning. I just yes. want to drop this right in for you quickly. Uh, we also need gener generators and tarpaulin. Tarpaulin is very, very, very important. You know, mm. even if they have beds and stuff like, you know, they can use a tarpaulin and keep from getting wet and keep their items okay. from getting wet. And where are the people sleeping that lost everything? Where are they going to be sleeping? Well, some of them is on the airport and the church is housing some of them. So the churches, the churches made it through the fire, which God is good. He knows well. God is good. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but, um, donations, I would like to tell you my location before I leave. My location is in Prospect, Marina Drive, first left turn, Bonneview. Um, the containers is here. Um, I don't hold the keys for the containers. The containers is locked at 9 a.m. in the night by Mr. Elvis Cook, the CBC officer, and he mm -hmm. takes the keys home with him every night, and he double checks Can you, that. um, are you at that location now, Sherry Ann? You're at the where the containers yeah. are? Can you go yep. outside with your phone and just flip the camera and show us 
a little bit of a live view of um, what we're going on. So um, uh, Sherry Ann just shared that the containers are locked every night at 9 p.m. Um, by Elvis to ensure that no one is double dipping and going into these containers. You know, these are the these are the measures when you're working with NPOs and you're setting up stuff like this. Unfortunately, you've got to have these um, security measures in place because you guys would not understand how some people take advantage of other people, even during a time of, um, of disaster. So just hit that little button that says camera and mic, I think, in your end. And then um, you should be able to tell it to use your bat camera and just flip the camera around. Use which camera? I think it's the back one that you tell it to use, back facing camera. So oh, Patricia boy. says, well done, Sherry Ann. Um, uh oh, I think she dropped out. She'll join back in. Uh, Jeanette says, amen. Uh, blessed day. Miss Sue says, well done for all of those uh, people who are assisting. Sasha Barry says, awesome job. Is the regiment also involved? Um, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. But I can certainly find out. Um, let me see if I can ask. Uh, Banaka Relief. Banaka um, I'll find out. I'll ask if the regiment is assisting. I would hope so. Um, go ahead and flip flip the camera around, Sherry Ann. Just go into your little settings there. Um, Jonathan asking about a flight to Canada. Jonathan, wrong topic for this exact moment. Uh, Charlene says, thanks to all donors and volunteers. Uh, Alice says, prospect drop-off. So she's just told you that she's there in Bonneview. Um, okay, there we go. So now we can have a look at um, there we are. what we so this is here. this is one of the containers that's being filled, and um, the other containers is in the other property in the back of a property that. <clears throat> to this morning. I We've uh, lost you just a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Um. So, Sherry Ann, we've 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 lost the connection. Looks like it's a little bit spotty. But uh, Miss Sue says, so can we drop off to Savannah MP office? Well, the drop off locations again. Let me just remind you of where they are. I think they're trying to, you know, do a concerted drop-off effort. So we've got East End, North Side, West Bay, and then you can also go straight to Prospect. So if you're in the Savannah, um, Newlands area, I would suggest just going to Prospect because uh, that's the closest location. So um, one second, one second, Sherry Ann. So you can certainly um, go there and drop off. Okay, my dear. Well, thank you so much, um, Sherry Ann, for the information. I hope that people now have a better idea of um, the efforts and what is needed at this particular time. And uh, there will be, I'm sure, lots more donations coming in. It will. And I would like to say thank you very much to the Honorable McKeever Bush for having the meeting the other night. Uh, we had over 200 and odd people showed up. And I was like to thank the Honorable Premier Wayne Panton for assisting and the Deputy Premier Christopher Sanders. Thank you all. And Miss Arma Arch, 
Um, she's 100% behind me and helping me with everything. High shipping, Lemmy's trucking and greasing, Thompson, all of those people that assisted so far. Thank you very much. Keep dropping the items off. As we go, we are ready and we are here to collect. Please, please, yeah. this is for our neighbors. They are one of us. Everybody in Cayman is family to Benakians. We are related. We are linked. We are all linked some way. Please, mm -hmm. they need assistance immediately. Thank you all, and I appreciate it. Have a wonderful, pleasant day. Yes, thank you so much, sherri Thank you. And someone else is mentioning uh, maybe some books and toys for kids. Um, because of course, you know, young children would have been impacted by this as well. And they're probably um, going to be, you know, um, you know, Im impacted by this for life. I don't think that this is something that people ever forget. So again, folks, please uh, dig deep and see how you can assist the people of Banaka. They try to rebuild and recover from what was a devastating fire on last week, um, Saturday, that claimed over 125 homes, over 200 people um, have been basically left homeless because of this, and they have lost everything. I mean, you guys saw the video and the photos that we shared on um, Saturday and the aftermath and on Monday's program as well. Everything is gone. Um, you know, a lot of these structures are wooden structures with the zinc roofs. And unfortunately, um, fire cleaned everything. Thank God the fire did not claim any loss of life. So we definitely have that to be thankful for, um, you know, as we move forward into recovery mode. So um, Al says this is how humanity should work, support each other in the time of need. Good morning, um, Michelle, <clears throat> joining us from New York City. Thank you so much. <coughs> and of course, Sasha reminds us, that maybe some, some PPE equipment would also be good to send. Yes, I don't know what the COVID in, uh, situation is. Mask and sanitizers. I'm sure Miss, um, uh, Miss, oh gosh, Sharon from Reliable would have a lot of those things as well because um, she has got tons of um, that in supply, which by the way, listen, um, I'm. we're going to get back into this conversation now about the so-called... Um, expat uh, association of the Cayman Islands. But, you know, Caymanians have always been um, a group of people that have really, really had a big heart and they help out a lot. And I always tell people, listen, um, there's a saying that you scratch my back, I'll, you know, scratch yours too. Um, and that's how it works in the real world. Uh, other people want to use the fancy term of networking, call it whatever you want. But I believe in supporting businesses who step up to the plate in times of need like this. Uh, the Fosters Group, for example, Willie Foster and his entire family have always assisted people. A lot of times they do so quietly. I mean, I can literally message Woody at any, any point in time and say, hey, Woody, you know, I have this situation of need in the community. Can you help? And he's always willing to help. Uh, that's just the type of person he is. And by extension, you know, um, a lot of his family members and um, Miss Irma Arch, you know, she has Miracle Brokers. So even in the past, she has helped uh, with the logistics and um, organizing of containers and making sure that, you know, because the shipping part, like I said, it's one thing to get people to have a big heart and to donate. That's in many respects, probably the easiest step. 
um, is to get the initial donations in, but there's so much more involved in actually getting those goods to the people who need it the most, the people who are truly in need. And that's the logistics end um, of that. And, you know, it requires a lot. And so you've got to organize, how is this container going to move from Cayman to there? And, you know, you've got to be dealing with, with foreign shipping companies and you need people who are experts in that, that area. You can't just have a Johnny come lately, jump up and be like, oh, give me a container and I'll get it to Haiti. As we've seen in the past, that container never made it to Haiti. And a lot of you don't even know this, and I'm not calling the person's name for a reason, but that container sat on a field on West Bay Road for years. So much so that the election before the last election, when this person ran for political office, they were going into that container, taking out donated goods and giving to people who were going to vote for them. That's the kind of foolishness we don't want any part of, right? So folks, work with people um, who, you know, um, are honest people who are professionals in their own right. So Ms. Irma is a professional logistics queen. She's the queen of logistics. Um, big shout out to Hyde for providing containers. They will ensure that these supplies get to the people of Banaka, that they get where it's supposed to go. So that's incredibly important. Big shout out to Ms. Sharon. Support these local companies. You need any Purell products? Right now, Ms. Sharon's got toilet paper, paper towels, Purell products, hand sanitizers. A lot of schools are very, very concerned about the spread of the coronavirus uh, within the school and through the, the school children. You know, go and stock up on supplies. Uh, Ms. Sharon even has um, professional sanitation services where you can actually go and get your facility professionally sanitized, which trust me, right now, that's exactly what you want to do. You don't want to mess around with um, having a, you know, oh, we'll just bring in a helper to, to kind of wipe down the place. Mm, no, let the experts do it. And the folks over reliable are experts in that area. You need something shipped uh, to or from the Cayman Islands, expat friends. We're going to go back to talking about you in a second. You're moving here. Good. Uh, use reliable industry, uh, use um, Miss Irma, which is uh, Miracle Brokers, to help bring in some of your goods. These are the, the companies that, as Caymanians, you know, we can stand behind because they help in a time of need. So here's um, reliable folks. Look at this electrostatic sanitizing service. Fancy stuff, um, but it does the job at a professional level. So 10 times better coverage than traditional spray and wipe. Mm, this is what y'all need. So contact them today, folks. They'll be able to help you out 949-9303. So um, thank you so much. All right, let's turn back now to our conversation. Good morning, Lizette. Jonathan, I don't know what Jonathan is saying. Um, oh, Pam says, do you view UK citizens as, as expats? Yes. I hope Jonathan wasn't saying no to that because yes, we do. If you're not a Caymanian, then you're an expat. It's as simple as that. Now, that's a simple answer. The more complex answer is obviously we're kind of part of the UK. We are an overseas territory. Um, there's that colonial relationship. And, you know, Pam, I don't know if you live in the Cayman Islands or not, but it's it's kind of something that I myself have had to understand because um, being a foreigner in the United States of America, because we don't really use the term expat in America, to be honest, that's a, that's a British word. Um is a little bit different than being an expat on an island, right? So it's it's interesting 
that we have this connection to the UK. There's a lot of Caymanians who, despite being Caymanians, and yes, we're overseas territory, they will never hold a UK passport. They don't want a UK passport. And to be quite frank and honest, they can't stand the mother country. I'm just giving you a dose of the cold hard truth. I have some older people that are like, what do I need a UK passport for? No, thanks. When it became available, there's a lot of perhaps younger folks and some older folks too, who took advantage of it. They wanted the opportunity to be able to travel to Europe or even to go and move. And we have people, Miss Darlene and others who are living in the UK. And they have that benefit because of our association with the UK. Other people don't really see that kind of, they don't see it as a positive relationship. They might not want to sever the ties, but they see it as a very colonial and restrictive relationship. And it runs deep. Having said that, you know, Caymanians are people who have um, mingled and integrated with others when it was necessary. And so we have Caymanians all over the world, Banaka, Honduras. There's a lot of connections with people from Honduras, a lot of connections with Jamaicans um, and all over the place. So we have a lot of people who are connected with us uh, through the UK um, route as well, family members there and so on. But listen, this expat association of the Cayman Islands, which is some guy named Steve. I don't even know if I should be taking Steve seriously. And I'll tell you why. So, of course, they sent us an email on. Um, let me see where Steve's email came in. Shall. They sent us an email. I think it was yesterday. Let me just see if I can find Steve's email. And this is the first time that I'd heard of this. Um, association. So yes, here we go. Let me let me just um, see if I can pull out this email and show you guys the email that was sent. All right. So give me one second now. So again, I don't know who Steve is. And part of me when I first read it was like, hmm, is Steve a joke? Is he for real? So I don't know. You guys probably can't even see this. This is pretty, it's hard to see. But anyway, this is Steve's email and he sent it to the governor's office. Cayman Compass, Caymanian Times, and CMR. I guess we should feel special that we were included in this email. And he says, Your Excellency, I write this morning on behalf of the Expat Association of the Cayman Islands. And for the benefit of anyone just tuning in, apparently this is a very new association. By all accounts, it looks like it just sprung up uh, maybe a week or so ago on September the 23rd. So not a long-standing association by any stretch of the imagination. And he goes on to say that um, disappointed at the passing through parliament of the vaccine bills yesterday. We believe the bills are discriminatory and divisive. Specifically, they breached the Cayman Islands constitution. They breached the um, European Convention on Human Rights. So that's the ECHR. They breached the UK Equality Act 2020. Now, why Steve would think that the UK Equality Act 2020 applies to anybody in the Cayman Islands is a bit of a peculiar point. Uh, because we know that Cayman has its own legislation. There are some pieces of legislation that extend to us. So, for example, the um, ECHR, which does that still um, extend to us now that the UK has broken away from the European Union? Uh, I'm thinking it probably doesn't. Can we have some legal and constitutional experts answer that question for me? So y'all might be having that fall away thanks to the UK's decision to bre 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 what's it called brex bre exit whatever the heck they're calling it, um, you know. And the irony of that is that decision was largely made by 
uh, the people of the UK because they were sick and tired of other nationalities encroaching on them, other Europeans telling them what to do, taking their jobs and so on. So it's so funny when they come here and try to exert their position as though this is the UK for them. And it isn't to going back to, um, to Pam's point. And uh, we'll talk about the independence here in a second. And Pam, your point is very, very interesting. And I'm going to address it just here in a second. Um, so it says that we see no grounds to mandate the vaccination of half the population while leaving the other half free to choose. It makes no sense with regard to one half being more at risk and riskier than the other. We seek a response from your office with regard to the governor's constitutional duty and an opinion from him with regard to his view and whether he believes, as we do, that this legislation uh, is divisive and discriminatory, provides little to no additional protection to the population other than the individuals themselves. And at a time when the island's population should be drawn together to protect them through good leadership, clear communication, and a sense of security, we are faced with a local government who are now seriously mismanaging the pandemic. Uh, uh, okay. The government uh, are facing through impulse, or acting, sorry, through impulse and emotion, reacting to hysteria, it says, and now driving through legislation that is, in our view, unlawful. As your primary role in these islands to ensure good governance, we implore you to act to protect all expats from this discriminatory and divisive action. Yours on behalf of our association, Steve. Um, so I don't know who Steve is. And then he put, puts a note at the bottom about, um, you know, uh, please hold the line and publishing the communication, blah, blah, blah. All right. I, I don't know who Steve is. I almost feel like Steve is a made up persona. That's probably not, um, I don't know who Steve is. Um, but you know, this, this concept that people can come here and live in a bit of a bubble and have no real concept of uh, when they talk about inclusiveness, they themselves don't come here with a desire to be inclusive. So I think that Steve misses the point. So first of all, the governor has responded to Steve in case you missed that article. And the governor has said that he's in full support of mandating the vaccines, even for um, just expatriate workers. He does not, in his opinion, see it as divisive or discriminatory. He sees it as a necessity at a time when um, the entire world is dealing with what is considered a public health emergency, COVID. And so as a result of that, he said, this is one, in his words, pushing vaccination rates even higher um, is an important tool in our armory, not to put undue pressure on the health services, which we cannot um, support, or you know, we can't handle that burden here in this country. He also said that the Honorable Attorney General um, has passed the bills. He obviously would have been consulted in terms of them being constitutional and in line with the Bill of Rights. And uh, he has assured both the governor and the government that they are reasonable, rational, and proportionate. Now, does that mean, folks, that they will not be challenged? Of course, it doesn't mean that they will not be challenged. You can challenge anything in a court of law. That's what people do. That's what lawyers get paid for, you know. You listen, a horse walking down the street trotting on one foot and you can get a lawyer to say um, there's a constitutional issue with that horse not trotting in all fours. Lawyers get paid to argue every point, every angle, 
That's why they make the big bucks. And yes, they can get super, super creative and digging up laws and making legal arguments. So will this be challenged by Steve and the expat association that came on? I don't know, probably. You know, the, the courts are, are there and the um, governor did say that as well. The courts are there for that purpose. So he doesn't interfere with that arm. He doesn't interfere with the judiciary. And if someone feels like they have um, a legal argument to make, then you take it to the courts and the courts will decide. And, you know, you appeal it if you don't like the decision. You keep going and do what you have to do. So um, Pam says, are you looking to go independent because the idea of the currency money falling is preposterous? Um, I'm not really sure that I'm quite understanding the question. Uh, Pam, what I would say to you is this. The European Union, the EU, um, and the um, United Nations specifically is where I wanted to go with this. United Nations had a committee of, I think it used to be called the Committee of 24. It was a committee on decolonization. Now they call it something else. In their remit, and again, a lot of people who are in a colonial mentality don't even know this. The remit of the committee of, let me just see if I can tell you what they're now called. This committee of 24 on decolonization. Their remit is to encourage countries here we go. The United Nations Special Committee, uh, they've since changed the name, um, on the situation with regard to the implementation of and the declaration of the granting of independence to colonial people and countries um, or the Special Committee on Decolonization C-24 is a committee that was established back in 1961. The entire remit of this committee is um, devoted to the issue of decolonization. For clarity, in case you missed it, decolonization is the undoing of colonialism, the latter being the process where a nation establishes and maintains its dominion of foreign territories. The concept particularly applies to the dismantlement during the second half of the 20th century of the colonial empires. We are still part of that colonial empire, folks, in case you missed it. We are one of very few, is there 12 overseas territories left? Um, for the UK. So most people have taken charge of their own affairs um, to Pam's question. And it is still uh, peculiar and unusual that anyone would want to continue in this colonial relationship that the Cayman Islands, again, because of our own mentality, our own lack of self-worth and understanding of the, the fact that we are the jewel of the Caribbean. And most people from the UK just see us as something they can use and dis discard, the government, right? Use it for our purposes. There have been people from the UK who've come here who, let me put it quite frankly, didn't have a pot to piss in in London or wherever they're from in the UK and they've come here and they become millionaires. They've set up law firms and they have enjoyed a life of luxury that they probably would not have enjoyed anywhere else in the world. And hey, if a country affords you that opportunity, you came here with your hard work and labor and your skill set, fantastic. But at the same time, there are a lot of Caymanians in this country who are not afforded that opportunity despite having experience, intellectual capacity, hard working capability, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. And most people, um, to be quite frank and honest with you, are not willing to tell you the cold hard truth of how Caymanians feel about this relationship. 
So a lot of Caymanians feel that we don't want to go independent because they don't think that that would be in the best interest. There are other people who say, hey, it's only a matter of time before we will be forced to go independent. The UK doesn't really have our back. You know, when it when push comes to shove and they're up against the wall, and we've seen this before um, with legislation and other things, when they want to undermine our financial services, they will do so in a heartbeat. The UK go, yeah, we're going to kick you out. There you go. See you later. Sink or swim. Uh, we're out of here. And it is what it is. We're done using you. You know, great. We're, we're done. So this colonial, this C24 committee of the United Nations, you should actually look into it. So back in November the 27th of 1961, the General Assembly of um, the United Nations created what was, what was the precursor to the Special Committee by Resolution 1654. And it established a, um, a special committee of 17 members at the time, it's since been expanded, to examine the application of the declaration and to make recommendations and how to better implement it. So all sorts of countries, the UK was part of it, America, um, Italy, India, Australia, lots of former colonies, actually, quite interesting enough. And so then this uh, um, 24, the number 24 comes from describing the committee, even though technically it has 29 members. So the idea is that the international decades um, for the eradication of colonialism, in the 60s, a lot of countries uh, decolonize themselves, right? So all over the Caribbean, uh, you know, Jamaica, for example, I don't know what year Trinidad did it, but most countries around the region have actually done so. And there's an entire map here that shows you, you know, who has left as, as colonies and really who remains. Uh, the remaining list is a very, very small list indeed. So for the British territories, non-self-governing countries include um, American Samoa, Anguilla, Bermuda, the British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, Falkland, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> French Polynesia, Gibraltar, Guam, Montserrat, New Caledonia, Pickering, uh, St. Helena, Tokelau, Turks and Caicos, and the United States Virgin Islands, which is part of the U.S., obviously, <clears throat> and Western Sahara. Mm. Interestingly enough, the English... United Kingdom, has more um, non-self-governing countries than anybody else. <laughs> so they have remained um, the biggest uh, colonialistic empire even in 2021. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I feel like there's some others. <clears throat> Um, the United States has one, two, three, according to this list. France has two. Spain has one. And uh, New Zealand has one. So, you know, people have a right to self-determination. Now, how that plays out, of course, there is a situation, let me just say, with China and Hong Kong, which is a little bit different. But most countries have disengaged. Um, Russia claims that they still have 26 territories that um, remain under their colonial rule. Um, you know, we won't get into Russia, but 
the U.S. retains Puerto Rico as an unincorporated territory. And the United Kingdom, um, it says, has hindered the British Indian Ocean Territory from decolonization by illegally detaching the um, Chagos Archipelago from uh, Mauritius. So um, listen to me. The, the history of colonialism around the world has not been one that anybody should be proud of. If you are a British citizen and you don't understand the devastation that um, colonialism has done to countries all over the world, from India to the Caribbean, um, then you are not well informed. The most interesting thing about it is even in the 1960s, when countries were trying to pull away from the UK and, um, you know, move on, uh, there were countries, the mother countries did a horrendous job of trying to stop that progress at any cost. And if that meant destroying these countries um, economically, so when Pam talks about the idea of the currency money uh, failing is preposterous, what is preposterous, Pam, is that the UK government did everything in its power, for example, to, um, you know, prevent countries like Jamaica and St. Vincent and the Grenadines from being uh, successful colonies, uh, former colonies, right? So when they decided to go independent, they purposely went after industries such as the um, sugarcane industry, the banana export industry and others <clears throat> to cut them off at the knees. This is what the mother country does. And so those of us who have a little bit of an understanding of this relationship have no um, delusions about what will happen if we go independent. Will the UK support us in that move? Not really. Will they do things that will subverse the people of the Cayman Islands and make our you know, financial um, security unstable? Probably. Don't take it personal. I'm just telling you what happens. So they have not, they, they, they will rape and pillage and take and take and take. And then when it comes to them actually giving back um, to the respective territories that they've taken from for so many years, they're not as inclined to give back in any meaningful way. And there's tons of reports that you can read that have come out of this special committee. People have recognized um, exactly what has happened. So as one of the few remaining, um, you know, territories that is still considered um, a overseas territory, it is really, really quite interesting. So Grenada, interestingly enough, the um, ambassador for Grenada um, and permanent representative of Grenada to the United Nations, Her Excellency Keisha Maguire has actually been reelected as the acclamation of the C24 chair for the 2021 term. So she is chairing that committee and she was reelected in February of 2021. You see, to me, it's very interesting um, when you have a concept of colonization and you have the ability to go into a colony and to reside and to live. And then you want to exert this um, idea that somehow you're actually here to run the show. And it doesn't sit well with a lot of Caymanians. I mean, a lot of Caymanians will tell you, listen, we're some of the biggest, we have some of the biggest hearts in the world. We will accept people. We will welcome you. We will roll out the red carpet. And there are people who argue we've done it too well. 
to make people feel a little bit too comfortable um, as a guest in your home. But as my good friend said earlier on the WhatsApp chat, when you have a guest in your home, that guest doesn't come into your house and get to set the rules. I don't know how many of y'all have been house guests before, but you know that there are boundaries. So if I go into someone's home and they say, listen, nine o'clock at night, I lock my doors and I turn on my alarm system. Don't come in after nine o'clock at night. That's a house rule and you respect the house rules. I don't get to go in there and be like, um, no, no, no. I'm here as a house guest and I want to be able to come in and roll in at 10 o'clock. That's not how it works. There's a certain amount of boundaries and limitations that exist. And when you respect the homeowner, right, you get and you understand what their rules are and you play by the rules. And guess what? When you don't like it, you can get out. You don't have to be a house guest. These are normally, um, you know, relationships of I agree to something, you agree to come in and you have rules to play by. The other thing that to me is so incredibly interesting, right, is um, people seem to have this concept that they can go into somebody else's country and do whatever they want. Um, it doesn't work that way. When people go to the UK, you've got rules that you have to follow, whether you're applying for a certain type of uh, means of coming in. Like I said, when I went to the US as a international student, there were things I had to fill up for. My aunt, I was a child. She had to provide documentation. There's things that she had to do to play by their rules. Every single country in the world has an immigration system that is designed to protect its borders. Yes, we invite guest workers into the country. Yes, we invite tourists. Uh, yes, you know, there's other means by which you can be in this jurisdiction lawfully. But those all come with some form of restrictions. The vaccine mandate is just added to the list. It is just another such restriction. It's just another tick on the box. When you come here right now, Pam, you have to do a medical. And part of your medical includes things like an HIV test, um, tests for other communicable diseases, tuberculosis, and other things. And if those turn out positive, immigration has a right to say, nope, you can't come. That's not unique to the Cayman Islands. In fact, if you go and look at the criteria for permanent residency in the United States of America, you'll see things on the list like you have to be of sound mind. They don't want to import any more crazies into their country. <laughs> so they have a criteria and that is actually not as uncommon as you would think. They have communicable diseases on their list as well. But, you know, because most of you really haven't really traveled that far, you have no clue um, what else is on the list. And so it's peculiar to you when you see an application here in the Cayman Islands, well, oh, well, well, why do they want to know this information? Or why do I have to provide a medical? Because that's standard operating procedure anywhere in the world. You've got to be willing to be a little bit more open-minded in a sense. So Johan says, don't know who Steve is, <clears throat> but he sounds like the entitled expat that makes life difficult for work permit holders, locals and Caymanians alike. He doesn't appear to get it or is taking the piss, etc. 
Um, Pam says, we'll make it clear right now you will remain British until the next century. There are many Caymanians who are tired of being a UK territory. What about them? Um, that's a question. Um, I think it's been addressed. <laughs> you know, it will probably only be a matter of time. Um, Johan says people like Steve have options. Now, here's the thing. You always have an option. So let's have a look at Steve's website because his website, I think, is really telling about who he is. And, and I'm trying not to lump everyone in the same category, Steve, because I suspect um, in my heart of hearts that Steve is actually, um, you know, a very small uh, expat association of probably all of five people. So it looks like Steve put up something today about British Caribbean community refused vaccine. Um, <clears throat> are they anonymous? Well, of course you're anonymous. Uh, yes, anyone who joins can do so with anonymity. Uh, you don't have to supply your real name. Oh, really? So this is why we can't take anybody like this seriously. Let me increase this so you guys can see it. You know, we don't know who Steve is. You can join with a pseudonym. Use a, G a Gmail address or even an anonymous encrypted email provided below. Um, they tell you how to do that. Listen to me, folks. We can't take Steve, whoever Steve is, um, seriously. Uh, we cannot take this association seriously because if you are not, if you are really an expat in this country and you feel like we are somehow taking advantage um, of your rights, okay, you have an opportunity, and I see he's changed the homepage because there's a whole thing up here about um, the UK that's completely gone now that was very, very interesting <clears throat> about their remit and kind of how they feel about it. I don't know where he's put it now, um, but they've done some work since late last night on the website. I should have I screen grabbed that because it was uh, a very, very interesting conversation about what this group even stands for that was a little bit bizarre and the things that they are um, advocating for even beyond just this vaccine. So listen, there are people who will seek to divide an already somewhat divided country. Let's see, the about section doesn't work. Join today doesn't work. Contact us. Okay, it looks like they just have, uh, okay. Um, so they've made some changes to the website, it looks like today, and a lot of that stuff um, has now fallen away. Um, <clears throat> so Steve is doing his best <clears throat> with this website. And um, honestly, you know, Steve could be anybody. Um, Johan says, hashtag Steve needs to leave KY. Uh, maybe y'all need to make sure that that hashtag starts to trend. Um, but you know, Steve, I'm sorry, somebody has given you, I think an incorrect idea. Uh, you're not managing your expectations very well. And so it is quite unfortunate that you feel the way that you feel. Um, but you have a choice. No one is forcing you to stay here, Steve. This is the beauty of living in somebody else's country. When I was ready to leave the United States of America, I packed up my bags, packed up a couple of boxes of my stuff, and I left. Nobody was going to force me to stay. And at that point, I had residency. But no one is going to force you to stay. You can leave. Steve, if you're here in a work permit and you don't like 
the rules that you have to play by. And there are lots of rules, actually, that you have to play by in this country. Uh, you always have the option of leaving. Let me have you guys. I'm going to read some of your comments. Gabby, good morning. Jonathan says, open the airport <clears throat> so that they can get back home. Oh, they can leave on the British Airways flight. You guys know that the British Airways flight still comes on a somewhat regular schedule, not as frequently as it used to, but you have the option of leaving. No one, even during the pandemic, is stopping you from leaving. You can go out freely. Gabby says everybody wants to push this narrative about Caymanians versus expats when the government's only concern is the safety of its own people. You know why, Gabby, that has taken the forefront is because our own Caymanians, the likes of Katina, Mario, and others, have opened the barn gate. They're the ones who started this conversation. So is Steve even a UK citizen? Who knows? Uh, obviously, they believe in fake names and pseudonyms and fake accounts. So Steve could be a Caymanian pretending to be an expat, pretending to drive this divide even further. We have no clue because we don't know who Steve is. Now, the day that Steve decides to legally challenge the government, he can't challenge it through this fake um, expats in the Cayman Islands account he has to put his own name to it. You see, this is where the law uh, brings uh, things to an even keel. So he has to put a name to it. He can't hide behind a fake organization. And that is now where it will become so much more interesting. <coughs> put your name to it and let us see exactly who you are. If you really are, Steve. Wouldn't that be ironic if Steve is not even a Caymanian, not even a, a British citizen or from the UK, wherever the heck Steve is from, if he turns out to be one of our own playing games? I would not be surprised because this anti-vaccination movement is so crazy that that would not surprise me in the least bit. So Johan says the airport is open. Flights are coming and going to the Cayman Islands. Please stop spreading misinformation. Yeah. Uh, Alba, buenos dias. Como estas? Estoy bien, gracias. Um, <coughs> Michelle says, I'm a Caymanian living and working in New York City. And as a recruiter, all people I'm placing in work assignments must present me with their COVID card. I don't understand how people can make their demands. Well, um, Michelle, I tell you what, people here in the Cayman Islands um, seem to live with a very different reality, right? So um, they're not understanding that mandates for this vaccine will be the same as with all the vaccines that we've taken our entire lives. And for many, many years, they will be mandated across the board at some point. Every single country is going to have vaccine mandates. And those of you who um, want to remain on the outskirts um, and not be vaccinated, you're going to be in the minority. And there'll be lots of things that you will not be able to access. Travel. Not just travel, even within your own jurisdictions. Let's have a look. October the 6th, just yesterday, Los Angeles, California will require most people to provide proof of full coronavirus vaccination to enter a range of indoor businesses, including restaurants, 
gyms, museums, movie theaters, and salons in one of the nation's strictest vaccine rules. It's a new law which was approved by the Los Angeles City Council on Wednesday. It will allow people with medical conditions um, that do not allow them to be vaccinated or who have a, sing a sincerely held religious objection, and that's up to debate, to um, instead show proof of a negative coronavirus test taken within the preceding 20, 72 hours. So imagine you're trying to go to your favorite restaurant, folks, uh, to get into that restaurant in Los Angeles now or go to the gym, museum, movie theater, salon, and so forth. You need to have a COVID test taken 72 hours before. Well, you better stop planning your outings if you're unvaccinated in Los Angeles. Otherwise, you'd be doing a COVID test every single day. So let's say I jump up tonight and go, oh, I want to go to a restaurant. Oh, gosh, that COVID test was uh, last week, Friday. Mm, I need to go get a COVID test right now if I plan to go out tonight. You can't just be rolling up on the restaurant and be like, let me in. This takes effect on November the 4th. Everywhere in the world... There are going to be limitations and vaccine mandates. Cayman is no different. <laughs> Al says Caymanians should have formed an association a long time ago against the oppressors. Child, that's a whole other situation because Caymanians live in a country where they are the minority in many instances. I mean, trust me, I go into, you know, environments all the time and I look around and I can count on one hand the number of Caymanians. You know what? Sometimes it happens the other way. I go somewhere and I see like, I go to the grocery store and I see a bunch of Caymanians that day and I'm like, oh my goodness, my heart like skips a beat because I'm just like, damn, I haven't seen this many Caymanians in a while. It is unusual to go into an environment where you do see a lot um, of Caymanians there. Very, very unusual. And everybody knows everybody. And you're like, what? Another Caymanian? What a mess. Miss Sue says that's so true. OMG. They would never get anywhere near the money they make here over in the UK. And I know this for sure. Well, Miss Sue is originally from the UK. So she probably has a better idea than a lot of us. Uh, Charlene says, not just the UK. Please expound. They all need to be reminded of this. You know, I love how people say that they came here and they, they built the Cayman Islands. No, you built your own bank account first and foremost. And by extension, if that helped to build the Cayman Islands, then, oh, thank you for that. Pam says, yes, the UN won't allow the US, UK, and even Spain to take control of the Cayman Islands unless you have a rebel army for Spain and a traditional council. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but the UK is already in control. The whole idea with the UK, UN is to end those relationships across the world. And like I said, um, there's so few of those left. You know, you can go through and look at uh, decolonization around the world and how it has happened. <coughs> so a lot of it happened um, in the 60s. In fact, there's a lot of countries. Uh, 1960 marks a turning point, says this one. A majority of African territories gained their independence. Well, not just Africa, a lot of the Caribbean as well. So, um, folks, you got to make sure that you got facts that you're dealing with. Charlene says, so very true. 
And mind them, the Pat government was elected primarily to put Caymanians and uh, Cayman first and foremost. Well, this is a bit interesting um, because honestly, people don't seem to comprehend um, that since this is the Cayman Islands, when someone says Caymanians first or the Cayman Islands first, that's not meant to insult you if you're a visitor here. That's really meant to remind our people that we have a mandate, we should have a mandate of putting our people first, you know, because everybody else has an option, right? Everybody else has a second, third, fourth, fifth passport. So when that dollar, as Pam said, starts to drop or plummet, those people have somewhere else to go very easily. A lot of Caymanians have nowhere else to go. That's why some of the older people say, I don't want a passport. If the sink is going to, if the ship is going to sink, I am sinking with the ship. I'm going down <coughs> with good old Cayman and Isles um, until my last breath, because you've got that option. You find very few people who come here, even if they become Cayman in by status, whatever, willing to give up their residency and their papers from somewhere else. They're like, oh no, I'm going to keep my American citizenship. I'm going to keep that UK passport. I will be a dual citizen. So you've always got uh, options, folks, is the bottom line. Janet says, how on earth, Sandy, can they mandate vaccines only for specific groups? I read this yesterday. This makes no sense. Came on, people don't get vaccinated. Well, they can mandate it. Let me try to explain it to you. The same way that we can say, and other jurisdictions have said, if you're coming into this country as a visitor on, say, a tourist visa, you have to be vaccinated. So you can do it for specific groups. The same way that you make it part of the application process when you apply for a work permit, that you have to do a medical. You have to provide a negative HIV test to immigration. They mandate that already. <laughs> so it's along the same lines of that sort of thing, right? So <clears throat> you have that ability, folks, to put criteria in place based on entry. So it's an entry requirement. That's how it's done. Happens all over the world. Every single country has entry requirements. If I'm a Cayman and I go to apply for a job, the job might have some entry requirements, like I have to prove my Caymanian status, for example, those sorts of things. But immigration, because I'm not part of that process, isn't going to be asking me for an HIV test or a medical or anything else, because I'm not going through that, that process. Troy Leacock says the content of the expat website is insulting, divisive, and inflammatory. Now, Troy, they've actually changed the content of the website, quite interestingly enough. So remember that homepage that they had? I really wish I'd screen grabbed it because y'all needed to read it. Uh, it was quite interesting. And they made a lot of comments. Um, <clears throat> now... Do I believe that um, mandates should be across the board for the COVID vaccine? Actually, I do. I think Caymanians should be, and people keep saying this to me, 
if they're going to mandate it for expats, they need to mandate, especially for civil servants, the largest employer on, on the island. The government isn't ready to go there yet. And I don't know that they will go there. But I believe that it should be done for everybody. In the name of public health and public safety, because we're dealing with this emergency situation. So uh, Troy goes on to say that um, Steve should identify himself so that we can start a people's referendum to have him declared persona non grata and deported. That would be a unifying effort for all Caymanians. Hashtag Steve needs to leave. Uh, again, Troy, it's an unfortunate situation, but you know we don't know who Steve is. And as a result of that, he is attempting to drive a wedge to divide this country even further. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, what, you know, what more can we do except to speculate about who Steve is and what his ultimate aim, he or she, because I mean, Steve could even be a woman for that matter, um, what they're really trying to do here. I would, I would be interested to see um, them mount a legal challenge because like I said, at least we have a real identification. So uh, too many loopholes to exploited. What good for one is, is not for the other. Charlene, Sasha says, Charlene, true. If you don't like the laws of the land, cancel your permit and leave. Uh, Jared says, talk to things. Um, so Louis said, which were owned by themselves. So they pulled out and left everyone else to suffer. Uh, the sugar industry. Yes, I think these comments are a little bit behind. My apologies. Um, yeah, nobody should put, listen, the British nationals have said they're putting themselves first uh, with BRICS and, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> they have that choice. That's fine. So, um, Anthony says the actual Gaul when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Jesse, a country may set requirements to enter, enter its borders, plain and simple. If you don't like the requirements, you don't. Yeah, people feel like this is really um, <coughs> quite a peculiar point. But, you know, people feel like, oh, this is a mandate. Well, it is a mandate. But again, if you don't like the terms of the mandate, you have options, folks. In fact, let's have a look at what is happening elsewhere in the world. Thank you, Sasha. Um, Johan says we need a Caymanian first <laughs> association, a Cayman association. And this is what these associations do. When they're based on nationalities, right? They tend to divide more than bring people together. And that is a problem. That's a problem. Miss Brenda's asking, um, guess being the operative word. However, that word seems to be offensive. I wonder why. It's only offensive when people come into your home and they try to think that they own the house and they want to take over. That's not how it works, folks. That's certainly not how it should be working. Right? Andrea says, no country can refuse their own citizens, vaccine or no vaccines. The government has to let them in. Visitors and work permit holders um, have to go by the rules. Well, let's see what else is happening elsewhere. 
I can announce that by Friday the 15th of October, every single authorised worker that is on that authorised worker list, whether they be in Melbourne or in regional Victoria, will need to have had at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. That is, if they want to continue working. If there's people that don't want this mandatory vaccine, how do we manage well, this? Well, then they won't be going to work. Okay. It's very, very simple. It's very simple. We want to open the place up. You want to, I'm not taking lectures on freedom from people who will hold all of us back. Right? We want to be free. We're going to be free. We're going to be open. And the key to that is getting these vaccination numbers up and up and up. Does that mean you don't have confidence in that 80% number anymore? No, no, not, not at all. We've just got to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And it's not about, it's not about the ultimate number. But will there be exemptions? I, I know you've just said there's a lot of... No, there'll be, there'll be detailed consultations and I'm not looking to exempt anyone. I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the business of encouraging uh, and where necessary through orders signed by the Chief Health Officer mandating people getting vaccinated where they pose a significant risk. There's too much, there's too much at stake. You will need to be double vaxxed as, as an authorised worker. Even when after we get to 80% and the authorisations are no longer there, the mandate, the rule, the Chief Health Officer direction will stay in place because cases will still be an issue then. But no, that's not, that's not the case. We're going to have a vaccinated economy and we're going to lock some people out because that is far better than locking everybody down. That's the decision that we've made. And I would appeal to people, these vaccines are safe and they work. So please go and get one. All right, folks. Um, so Australia taking a very, very uh, strong position on this. Um, you know, go go and read up on, on what exactly Australia is, is saying and what they're going to put in place. They've mandated it for all sorts of people, including some of their own citizens. So here's one. Um, essential workers, they're challenging Victoria and, and North South Wales vaccine mandates in court. Argue that they're going to lose their livelihoods if they don't get vaccinated. Hmm. Yes. Say that there's no legal ethical justification for making workers get the job. Oh, you're going to find that a lot of these court cases will be holding up the position as they have in the past as it relates to vaccinations, particularly during a pandemic. So they're forcing all childcare and school staff to have a first dose of the vaccine by October the 18th. And they will, of course, others want to claim it's discriminatory and it's a breach of their human rights. Everybody wants to say it's a breach of human rights. Just because you think it is doesn't mean that the courts are going to agree with you. And they've not agreed in the past. So I don't think that this time around will be any different. <clears throat> so Belinda, here's an opposite argument, says that the blanket mandate, so they're not happy when you target certain people and then they're not happy when you do a blanket magnet, mandate. I don't get it. She said that the blanket mandate did not consider the human rights of those it was imposed on, and there um, has been a failure to consider less restrictive means to achieve the intended purpose. Hmm. 
<clears throat> claiming that they're going to lose their livelihood if she failed to get vaccinated. Well, you see, that's a choice. Just like you can choose to leave the Cayman Islands, you can choose not to work in those professions. And if they expand it to other professions, well, the list of what you'll be able to do will change. Now, listen, countries around the world, there's a whole article here that vaccine mandates are proven successful in European countries and that might bode well for the U.S. and other places. In other words, mandates are actually working. France, Greece, and Italy have all been successful with vaccine mandates. Millions of people started to get vaccinated when Italy said, "Uh uh-uh. So in the U.S., federal employees, contractors of federal agencies, staff at healthcare facilities that receive federal funding must be vaccinated with no option to to get routinely tested instead. That's a a vaccine mandate. Employers with more than 100 employees must also require vaccines or weekly testing. Another mandate. New York, we were talking about this last week, has mandated vaccines for all frontline medical professionals. And if you didn't get it, (coughs) sorry, then you could leave your job. They had other people who were willing to take the job. Charlene says that she's traveled abroad in the U.S. and all over the Caribbean, and never have I behaved like a majority of expats on this island. I'm totally sick and tired of the attitude. Enough is enough. One of the biggest things on this island, folks, and I'll tell you what it is, if you're an expat listening to this program, and I do think um, that a lot of expats come here and... um, you know, they don't really understand some of the nuances of life as an expat, right? So I'm in some of these groups on Facebook, women's group and mom's group and whatever. And you see them saying certain things about, oh, you know, I'm coming to the Cayman Islands and I hear that there's a great expat community here. Why would you be coming to the Cayman Islands and looking for an expat community? (laughs) I mean, to us, when I read a comment like that, I find it so peculiar because I'm like, You come to an island, I would hope, to enjoy the nuances and peculiarities and life of the Caribbean, to integrate and to get to know people locally. Like, to me, that's why you travel, right? You don't travel to remain in a bubble and seek out other expats in that country. It's bizarre, but I see it all the time, and I think... Certain people just don't seem to have a clue, right? So I try to be fair to people when I read these comments and think, right, if they've never traveled abroad before, then maybe this is just the mentality of some expats. It's not everybody because there are people who come here and they understand the concept of like properly trying to be inclusive and integrate. We have a very multicultural um, community here. But from the Caymanian perspective, we are outnumbered. We live in a country that has a population we say of 70,000 people. Cut that in half. Automatically, half of that population are not Caymanians. Now, imagine if you lived in the UK, right? In London or wherever you're from. 
And half of your initial population, it gets cut down even further when you hear me out here. Half of your initial population are foreigners, imported workers, whatever, right? Now the remaining 50%, they're not 100% Caymanians either. Because in that you have people who have married in to Caymanian families, people who are here by like independent means and other things. So cut that a further mm, 25%. So what you really have is a population of 70,000 people and probably 25,000, maybe 30, that'd be pushing it, but probably more like 25,000 are Caymanians. And even of that 25,000, a vast majority of those are not multi-generational Caymanians. They're not, they're not Caymanians with like two parents even who are Caymanians. That is a very unusual thing to find a Caymanian that can say, yes, I got two parents that are Caymanians or I have two grandparents that are Caymanians because we have by necessity intermingled and intermarried with people from all over the world. So when you sit down and you talk to Caymanians, especially of a particular age, you know, when I sit down and I talk to aunties in their 70s and 80s and so on and uncles, you know, they have a very different perception of what is happening in this country. They talk about the eroding of the culture, right? The eroding of us as a people. Because they're like, everywhere I go, I can't even see a Caymanian. Like if you go to an event, like when we have <clears throat> certain national events, like naming, renaming of... um of the harbor there to Seafarer's Way, that was an event that you saw a lot of Caymanians, honey Joe. And Caymanians were people who could look at you, look at your face and tell you who you are. Oh, your dad is so-and-so, your mom is, whatever, because they could just look at you and tell who you were. Now that has changed a lot now, right? Caymanians could tell you by the way you talk. If you're from West Bay, from East End, from North Side, it's not quite so simple anymore. We've been watered down and it's just part of the world that we live in. So Deep Blue Sea says Cayman has for far too long bent over backwards for everyone that comes here. And that's why these people feel that they can be defiant to what government is mandating. Archer says, get on up out of my country. We need the space. You know what is so interesting though? I thought to myself, um, I kind of wondered about this. If people left, which do I think that there's going to be uh, a mass exodus of people leaving? No, you're all going to get the job, really and truly. You're enjoying your lifestyle. You're enjoying your nice, cushy job. 99% um, of you, now that it's mandated, will simply get the job. If you don't want to get, like I said, we're, we're cool with that. Not a problem. But I thought to myself, this has the potential to open up certain key jobs for Caymanians that maybe they wouldn't have gotten any other way. So maybe in another way, um, this could help <laughs> if they're really leaving, this could actually help the situation of unemployment for qualified Caymanians. It might have an unintended impact on that situation, we'll see. So Anna, says that um, she doesn't know anything about this expat association, but she thinks that mandates are bad and that they stop to check the percentage of the expat community that has actually taken the vaccine. 
if the if the percentage ends up being significant, then the mandate makes no sense. Let me tell you the flawed logic of that position, Anna. Hear me out now, right? <clears throat> Here's a situation that is uh, problematic. And the premier did a good job of explaining it. And I think that I need to get a clip of just that one segment because nobody's going to listen to a four-hour-long session of the LA. But that one segment, hear this. We are trying to get to 80%. Remember what I just said? about at least 50% of our um, <clears throat> population being imported in, right? If we're trying to get to that 80%, we reopen our borders and we start to bring people in. Every single work permit holder that enters this country that isn't vaccinated reduces that 80%. So automatically your numbers erode and drop with each person that you bring in that isn't vaccinated. So the only way to maintain those high levels, right, because we have such a plethora, such a vast number of our local population, when I say local population, I mean people on the island, are actually imported workers. So our reliance on foreign workers is extremely heavy. And you erode your vaccination numbers when you start to bring those people back and try to reopen your industry and reopen your country, right? Especially tourism workers, 90% of them are expat workers. So you automatically drop your vaccination levels. So when you ask the question, how many in the expat community have taken the vaccine? That figure, although I don't know if anyone even knows what that figure is, because I don't think people have been, tr been tracking vaccination numbers based on um, immigration status, but that figure is going to be in constant flux. Now, let's break it down even further to demonstrate why you cannot make the argument that the vast majority of expats are vaccinated. Jamaica, for example, the Jamaican population accounts for the highest percentage of imported workers in this country. I don't have the exact figures, but <clears throat> from the last time I looked at the records, it was Jamaica first, Philippines second, Canadians third, and I think um, British and UK kind of neck and neck for fourth position. Jamaica as a country and as a people has one of the lowest vaccination rates probably the entire world, but definitely in the region. They're all at the bottom, right next to Haiti. We saw that yesterday. So if the majority of the people that you're importing, you're importing from a country that for whatever reason, cultural, religious, whatever reasons they think they have, do not believe in vaccines and are not getting vaccinated, you would see how automatically you would be lowering your numbers significantly, less than 10%, according to the CDC, of the Jamaican population is fully vaccinated. But yet, they make up 60% of the Cayman workforce. So you're going to be importing 60% of people who 90% of them are not going to be vaccinated. You can't say oh, at this point in time, the expat population has a lot of vaccinated numbers and that's how it's going to remain. No, it's not. Jared said Canada is requiring residents to get vaccinated by October the 30th. 
to have access to basic services. People, it's not the first time a vaccine has been mandated. 99% of the vaccines out there are mandated. <clears throat> um, Carol says maybe we can get that information during the census. I mean, I don't even know what questions they're going to be asking. I think the census people wanted to come on the program to tell us a little bit about that. So there is that. <laughs> Jared says finding a Cayman in the workplace is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Well, it certainly depends on where you work. Carlos says, I'm a Caymanian by naturalization and the tools afforded to me is for your benefit and yours alone. What tools? Carlos, are you, um, are you that stalker dude again? I need to go look at your account. Hold on one second. <laughs> Carlos, I think I, how many fake accounts can a person possibly create? Let me go look at Carlos. Because once I get a closer look at that face, I'll be able to tell you if that's who I think it is again. Oh my God. Carlos, if that's you, you have got some time on your hands. Uh, Steve, this is your own other personality or pseudonym. Not following anything you're saying. Um, let me see if I can find. I need to find Carlos. Because I think I know exactly who Carlos is. Uh, Sue has been here for 35 years with my Cayman and husband and family. It's my home, not the UK. Uh, lots come here with false credentials to, um, from lots of other countries. Child, I can't even tell you the stories. I know about that. Um, in my province here in Canada, you can't go to a restaurant without showing your vaccination card, says Elaine. We're also required to be masked inside public spaces like the grocery store, banks, etc. Yeah, it is going to be the norm. Caymanians who, the, the minority of Caymanians who think that this is so peculiar and unusual, um... Y'all just need to get it together. It's going to be the norm all over the world. Natasha says, give it time. Steve will soon be outed. <laughs> Rachel says, hashtag expats against Steve. <laughs> the continuous disregard and disrespect for laws as it relates to the rights of Caymanians had to come to a halt. What a mess. Uh, Nona. Yes, we played that. Thank you. Charlene. Um, I'm not sure who Charlene's referring to. I think I missed some of it. Uh, Al says that Brexit is an example of how the oppressor's um, mentality continues to work. They use you until they build their empire and then they dispose of you. Well, that's a proven fact um, without a doubt. Remy, good morning. Says people fighting on behalf of the expats need to understand that expats cannot board their flights to Cayman if not vaccinated. Wow. Most of their own countries have that requirement going in for visitors. Uh, if we don't put that in place for people coming here, uh, which will, I think, and suspect be the next step, then, um, you know, it is what it is. So uh, Marshall says it's plain and simple. You have the option to leave. Uh, Elaine says, so wait, Steve wrote to the governor without properly identifying himself by full name on behalf of a newly formed organization. Online, we call these people trolls. Steve, you can leave. 
and let them try that with the UK and UK. Yeah, nobody, listen, no one is taking Steve seriously at some level, but it does concern me because I think to myself, this is the start of lots of people like Steve thinking that they can just create these um, fake personas um, out of nowhere and that they will be taken seriously. If you want to be taken seriously, folks, you stand um, by your name, right? You stand with a real personality. You don't uh, pretend, okay? Do, do what you do what you gotta do, but no one's gonna take you seriously if you um, are playing games. Al Ray says Australia is not taking any prisoners or shit. Well, that's for sure. Nope. And and listen, the man is uh, the Australian Prime Minister. I guess is he a Prime Minister? What's what's his official title? He is being he's not mincing his words he is being very firm in his position he's answering the media questions um with a degree of this is what it is and i don't care about people who are talking about their individual rights because your individual rights do not trump no pun intended the rights of and a community of people. As leaders, their obligation is for the safety of the majority of people, well, everyone, but if you have people who are choosing not to get vaccinated, then that will be their choice. Okay? Leaders are under immense pressure right now. Believe me you. So Rachel says that Steve drives an Audi Q3. He's deleted that now. He deleted a lot of stuff. Talks about being a retired UK civil servant is, is complaining about officers of color getting promoted. It was all there. We should have screen grabbed it. I guess somebody told him, Steve, Steve, this does not make you look good. Thinks the exchange rate is being fiddled. All this was on his blog, which I read in full last night, Small Island yeah, he, he took it down. Um, Steve, we're not taking you seriously. Um, but on the, like I said, on the other hand, we have to take Steve seriously because anyone who has the audacity to even write to the governor under this fake, <coughs> this fake guys, this basic fake account, this pseudonym, this made up blog, you know, trying to assert their rights, um, no, honey child, if you want to assert your rights, you actually need to come forward and say, this is who I am. And, um, this is, uh, it's sending me something that's being circulated that might be fake. I don't really know. You know, this is who I am. And, um, you know, these are the rights that I'm actually legitimately fighting for. Uh, Paolo says the U.S. and Canada will require proof of vaccination for air travel at the end of the month. So that would probably boost our numbers uh, faster than a government mandate. Well, we'll see. But again, um, the majority of workers, so we're just talking about work permit holders right now, not visitors per se, are not coming from the U.S. or Canada. They're further down the list. 
the majority of workers that come into the Cayman Islands, and this is why Alden, um, playing politics as he often does, attempted to say that this mandate was anti-Jamaican because he knows that the numbers show that the vast majority of people who come into Cayman are actually coming from Jamaica and then the Philippines and then the list goes down from there. So he tried to make this a us Caymanians versus Jamaican sort of thing. Alden, do you not have any shame? I'm just wondering. You and I have sat down and had a turtle dinner or two together by Kurt Tibbetts' house. I've seen you try to play dominoes, you know, way back in the day. Remember when the progressives got started? I was there with you in the trenches when the PPM got started. And I have to ask you, do you not have any shame? Anything for politics? Anything to stay in power? You know, you know the truth. <laughs> I mean, poor Wayne Panton. Like sometimes I kind of feel sorry for Wayne because I'm like, Wayne is not like an aggressive person. So even when he speaks and he gives his position, now I heard and I've not yet listened to Chris Saunders, but I heard Chris Saunders handed out in his behind on a, on a silver platter, probably a platinum platter. You know, Wayne is going to just lay out the position. This is what it is, you know, yeah. But Alden, who has been Ween's lifelong friend, comrade, they went to um, law school together. They would have studied together back in the day. You know, they, in some respects, grew up knowing each other, working in politics together. Ween is the type of person who has supported Alden, the PPM, the progressives, their political machinery, pumped hundreds of thousands of dollars, not this election, but previously, into trying to help them get elected. So the two of them have really been in the trenches. I, I, I often wonder about this. I'm taking a little bit of a side here before we end the show, but I think to myself, does we never want to pick up the phone and say to Alden, Alden, what do you? Honestly, what wrong with you? Did somebody slap you upside your head and you've lost all good senses? Because Alden would know. Ween is from Newlands. He's a Newlander, whatever you want to call him, from Newlands. Right? You're now trying to say that your good friend and buddy who had your back for years and maybe at times you had his back when it was convenient for you because he's very, he can't cut you off at the knees when you're not more used to him. You know, that's how Alden will operate. And that's what happened with him and Ween. That's why the big fallen out because Ween and his big bank account disappeared from the progressives and Alden not happy about that. He was courting him right up until this last election. Come on back, Wayne, come on board. We need those dollars. And Wayne said no. So Alden well pissed off because that cost him the election. It takes, it takes big bucks to run the kind of election they wanted to run. You notice how scaled down their election was this time. They couldn't even have meetings in every constituency that they ran somebody. They had to have like a group meeting all, all their candidates, their, their, what were they calling them again? Um, coalition of, what the heck did they call them during the election? Allied members of some foolishness, whatever they were calling it. So you can actually get up in the LA and make people believe that Wayne doesn't like Jamaicans and that he's prejudiced. Let me share a little story with you all, right? to show you how politicians can be so 
ridiculous at times. So um, let's go back a little bit. And there's certain times you know certain things, you know, makes a big difference. So let's, let's back up here. When we ran last time with the progressives, so it wasn't this election, but the election before, and he lost to Alva Saku. You know, like I said, he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to the coffers of the progressives, the PPM. So the PPM marketing team had this wonderful idea. Wayne had helped um, a Jamaican guy who didn't know that he was a diabetic. And he lost, I think he ended up losing a leg because of it. But anyway, he discovered that not only was he a diabetic, but he was seriously like he was on the verge of like kidney failure, death and whatever. And he had to get treatment to go overseas to try to save the legs. I think he ended up losing part of like the toes or the foot, like a smaller amount of the leg. But his diabetes already progressed to the stage where it was pretty bad, right? So um, when he came to Mr. Um, Panton, Wayne Panton, and said, um, you know, I need some help. It's going to be, he didn't have insurance or whatever. You know, you companies that employ people with no insurance, you're not easy. But he had to go overseas to get proper treatment, right? dollars $20, $20, $30,000, easy, easy is what it was going to cost just for him to get over there. So, and not like this man is a big friend of Wayne. I don't even think he was in Wayne's constituency, so it wasn't even about the vote. Wayne said, let me help you get the help that you need. Send the man overseas. He gets attention, the, the, the medical attention required. And it literally saves this man's life. So, of course, he's eternally grateful for the assistance of Wayne Panton. So the progressives knew the story. Al didn't knew the story. And he said um, during the previous election, oh, Wayne, we need to tell this story, right? We need to show what a really soft kind of teddy bear person you are. You know, you help people that you have nothing to gain from. And I know this even from myself. I can tell you some stories personally of many, many years ago. Um where Wayne has even assisted me because that's just the type of person Wayne is, right? Now, when he got with the progressives, I put him on coal because I saw a different side of his personality that I was like, hmm, what is, what is it when people start hanging out with Alden that they get this I'm better than everybody attitude, you can't talk to me, I run the show, only God can stop me. Remember when Alden said that? Only God can stop him from building a school and wasting millions of dollars of people's money. All this kind of stuff. He rubs off on people politically surrounded by him. Anyway, um, so Alden gets a hold of this story. He's like, oh, we need to use this. So for political expediency, you hear that term being used, Alden decides to do a whole video production. I need to try and find that video. I got to get my hands on it to show you all what I'm talking about interviewing this guy, oh, Wayne, help me, blah, 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 blah. Now, oh, we're laughing to my new lander. Now, you see, he takes a different position that, oh, we don't like Jamaicans. This government don't like Jamaicans <coughs> because it is politically expedient for him to do so. Aye, aye, aye. Wayne, I mean, um, my apologies, Alden. At least be consistent with your storyline because what you're saying just don't make no sense, right? 
So when it's politically expedient for them, they actually say, um, this government is too Jamaican. They want to kill poor Chris Saunders. Oh, but, but Chris and this Jamaican accent, what, what do him? Um, you know, he, yeah, he came in, but I don't know where he get this Jamaican accent from. And I think he looking up more for Jamaicans than he looking up for Caymanians. You all have said it. You used your coalition of whoever you had running for you, um, trying to undermine um, Saunders in Bodentown during the election with the same, no, 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 he's too Jamaican. And look at his Jamaican wife. She's staying home with the children and this, that, and the next thing and blah, blah, blah. But now... You're flipping the switch again. Y'all confusing me because you switched so much. You are flipping the switch again to a completely different discussion. And you're confusing the hell out of me. I'm confused, Alden. Which is it? You can't say on the one hand that Wayne Panton is such a nice guy. He'll help anybody, including Jamaicans. And then on the other hand, now you're trying to say, well... Maybe Wayne actually has an issue with Jamaicans. Um, which is it? Please tell me. It's either or either, but it can't be both. Gabby says, Sandy, please don't call that name. All he cares about is taking back over the government. We know. It's all about power with him. No regard for his people. Just wants to show how right he is and how much the packed government and the wish of the people is wrong. Kiss my effing teeth. Um, oh, yes, Carlos, that's you. That is you, honey child. Carlos, um, what, what your real name is again? Oh, God, this is the young man with the obsession with grace. Carlos, my friend, you claim that me and you had a friendship. I don't even really know who you are, so don't, don't mix up the word friends. But what I would suggest to you is you need to get some professional help. Um, 2008 to 2011, you even have a date that you think we were friends? Child, fill me in on the friendship so I can make sure I know what you're talking about because you've completely lost me. Uh, Gabby says, they remind me of high school and progressive is the mean girls. Mean and confused, child. Um, Carlos Caimanes have always seen me as an intellectual child. Self-praise is no recommendation. Come off of that bandwagon and quick. Anyway, Ralston says, good morning, Miss Sandra. Um, I like what you're doing in CMR because you're exposing justice and injustice because Caymanians have been used, abused, and mistreated by foreign police and otherwise for too long and have all been uh, unconsidered and unnoticed. And now if Caymanians don't unite, even on our common issues, then the dogs will have a lot of supper. Yes. And if you don't understand that saying that dogs are eat your supper, you better know what they're talking about. Uh, Aunt Ms. Brenda says, if any expats deserve the gratitude, here's the Jamaicans. They help to raise their children and care for elderly. And they also help to literally um, build Caymanian, uh, sorry, build, they literally help Caymanians build our little country. Siobhan says, Alden reminds me of Mojo, Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Who's Mojo Jojo? Oh, I have to look that one up, Siobhan. Um, Gianna hasn't gotten into the Powerpuff Girls yet, so I don't really know who they are. But um, I know of them. 
Um, so listen, yeah, I've been, you know, I kind of make fun of him when he's on the farm and saying nothing and doing nothing. Um, ooh, that's Mojo Jojo, that little mean one. Oh, I've seen him before. Ooh, honey chow. Yes, he got issues. <laughs> oh my God. Siobhan, that is him. Hold on. Let me see if I can show you which, which of the power. I thought it was like one of the little girls, actually. <laughs> oh my God, that is so funny. All right, hold on. Let me show you who Siobhan, who comes to mind when Siobhan thinks of Alden. Lord have mercy. Woo, girl. This is kind of funny. This is Mojo. What's his name? Mojo Jojo. Hold on. Let's look at Mojo Jojo. Alden, is this you? Yeah. Mojo Jojo. <laughs> <coughs> oh my God. Woo. Siobhan, you killed me with that one. I had to look it up and I'm just like, oh Lord, have mercy. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. Like Alden said yesterday, who are you talking to? You talking to me? I was like, Jesus, I'm peace. Woo, Alice in Wonderland. Have you guys seen the meme about that one? Alden in Wonderland? I mean, the man flips and flops all over the place, right? I must say that um, it is a little bit confusing, his position. On the one hand, oh, yes, we were in favor of vaccines, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't tell us what his government would have done. Any What's your problem, sir? You talking to me? You heard him? You talking to me? Who are you talking to? What's your problem, sir? You talking to me? Pull back, Naina. Alden and the houseboy, those are fighting words. Have y'all forgotten the caliber of Alden McLaughlin? He beat up um, Ilya Solomon in the little dining area in the legislative assembly. Do you guys not know that? when he ready to get on the, on the world stage and go on with his ridiculousness. Um, <clears throat> you know, and him and him and that boy didn't see eye to eye. He beat him up right there, in the, right there in the halls of the legislative assembly. And there are people who saw it. Um, oh, Carlos says when I had my internet cafe, he was one of my customers. Well, Carlos, that's not a friendship. I'm just being a good business owner. We had small talk. I asked for advice and you gave him, well, Carlos, like I said, I, I know exactly who you are now. And I, I don't mind giving advice from the kindness of my heart, but I know that you got a little screw loose, a couple screws. And it has nothing to do with your intellectual capacity. I'm not questioning your intelligence. The only way that you can, you can really deal with your situation is to get some professional help. We all need professional help from time to time. So I don't know what kind of advice I gave you then, but I would give you the same advice now, I'm sure, is um, to get professional help. So Wee Wee says the show is hot today. What a hot mess. Now, you go on in the whole gray situation. You know that's going to get you blocked, Carlos. You can sit here and talk about other things, but don't start talking about your obsession with grace because that will get you blocked for the fifth time. Okay? You know already. Oh. <clears throat> Siobhan says he's the evil monkey. Pretends he's saving the world and then screws over the real heroes. Oh, that's his role. Damn. Mm -mm -mm. Um, he should click his heels and go to Kansas. Oh, hold on. Let me see if I have. Um, okay, so listen, folks. 
on a serious note, make sure that you tune in uh, to the show this evening because we've got a great lineup for you. coming in the show, virologists, epidemiologists, right? Molecular specialists. These are the people that you need to be listening to when it comes to the vaccine debate or understanding vaccines. Be careful who you get your information from. Don't get it from any and everybody. I'm just saying. Know who you're dealing with know who you are dealing with. Uh, Alden in Wonderland. Where's where's that one? Somebody sent this to me yesterday. It's kind of funny, actually. Let me share it with y'all so I can show you what's trending. (laughs) Um, Alden claims that Kenneth started off as an anti-vaxxer. What a hot mess, Alden. Ay, ay, ay. Carlos Lobo, yes. That's who Carlos Tibbetts is. Carlos, listen to me now. Listen very, very carefully. You said I gave you good advice before, and I'm going to give it to you again. Your obsession with Miss Grace is not normal. It's not normal for you to make up an entire relationship with this woman. Get a hold of yourself and recognize that you need professional help. There's no... There's nothing wrong with it, right? Get the help you need, Bobo. Uh, 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 what a hot mess. <coughs> All right, Alden in Wonderland, look ya. Listen, these are good as memes go. Look at the quality of this. Look, look, look at Alden. God, Alden, I love the hair. Yes, the shoes. Uh, click those and take head off to Kansas. Uh, Ralston says a, a walking straight jacket. Um, Carlos, it is an obsession because that's all you talk about. Oh, he said he don't even love her. Well, obsession isn't love, so you are right about that. Um, you don't love her. It's an obsession and it's not natural. And uh, like I said, this is what gets you blocked on the show every single time you create a fake account now. You need to stop. Oh, here's a good meme that somebody sent me that's kind of interesting. Um, Freedom of choice for all except for the LGBTQ community. They can go to hell after my protest. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm -mm -mm. What a hot mess. It's so amazing how we want to talk about freedoms for certain groups, but we want to dictate who those groups are going to be. Yes, honey child. People naive. My good people. Um, You guys tune in to this show 
for a dose of the cold hard truth. And I think you got a little bit of it today and I hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I was able to, I knew a few people sent me that Alden in Wonderland one yesterday. Um, <clears throat> so someone says, here's something for you to share. Um, an old commandant told me the day will come when we will be able to identify the genuine expat. It was that time that Dr. Marco G G Gigli, what's his name? Giglioli, I think that's how he pronounced it, was successful in controlling the mosquitoes. My friend said that when the time came to prove our true and sincere residents, all would be necessary to shut down the mosquito control unit. And as soon as the reinfestation was enforced, the genuine expats would stay and the others would leave. My question is, has the time come that we need to replace the mosquito terminology with COVID-19? Well, uh, my good friend who sent that message in WhatsApp, there are always things that will test the strength and fiber of your community. And quite honestly, uh, one of those things is any sort of a natural disaster pandemic. Hurricane Ivan, we saw who was willing to stay and who jumped in the first plate and said, I'm, I'm out of here. This life isn't really for me. I'm here when the going is good, when the money is flowing and all these other things. But when the shit starts to hit the fan, sayonara. Someone else said, uh, said Wayne's great-grandfather was a Jamaican teacher. Child, I didn't know that too. He not a fool. All right. Um, the regiment has said that they've not been asked to participate in the Honduras situation. Any requests that they get would have to come from HMCI, so that's hazard management, the government or the governor's office. So none of those have requested that as yet. Uh, another comment on Steve says, um, unfortunately, we true generational Caymanians are outnumbered by expats and by docile and our docile nature which has been branded as K-Mankind. A lot of people are very insulted by that K-Mankind thing because it's been misused, overused, and abused. Uh, our, our branded as K-Mankind is used against us and we are left behind as the minority. We have to change K-Mankind to K-Man-Mine, M-I-N-E, hmm. and join together and fight against the oppression we're experiencing because we have give, given away almost everything. Welcome with open arms. Other nationalities who've been able to, sorry, who have been made to believe that they are our, they're here for our betterment um, as we are just poor, stupid natives. Steve is an arrogant, pompous piece of shit <laughs> who was starving to death somewhere else, came here, given a job, probably by another expat, um, given a few dollars, in his pocket, and now that he can throw around, no, pocket now that he can throw around at a woman of yet another nationality <laughs> that makes him feel like his shit doesn't stink. And all of a sudden, he is worth something and is much better than us Caymanians. If he was back where he came from, he'd be just another poor common person with no say, struggling to survive. I strongly suggest everyone else here like him uh, jump in one of those flights leaving soon. So in addition to being a POS, he's a coward too. Hopefully a couple thousand nu nuisances will get pissed off and go back where they came from. And then hopefully the Caymanians might get a decent slice of the pie. 
Years ago, people came here to see Caymanians, to hear us talk, to eat our food, etc. Now they come here to tell us to shut up, what to eat and when. Make sense? Cayman mine, not Cayman kind. That mentality ruined us. Mm, mm, mm. What a hot mess. Uh, another person, an expat, says, is it so bad to ask for healthy, law-abiding people to enter the country to live? Uh, hot mess. <clears throat> so, um, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> Mr. Darley, Dr. Darley Solomon, <clears throat> someone shared a message from him <clears throat> in a social media group where he says, um, government policy is that if you wish to be employed in the Cayman Islands and you require a work permit, then you're obligated to demonstrate a number of things. How about expats stop thinking that Caymanians are stupid and that won't happen as long as Caymanians keep screwing other Caymanians if fish rots from the head down? And I thank you, Dr. Um, Darley, because again, um, you speak to what I was saying earlier, that the reason that this can even happen is because of our own self-worth issues, right? We don't promote things, Caymanian. We don't promote Caymanians in the workplace, in our homes, in our communities. I was saying some months ago, remember uh, when we were talking about um, the Jamaican artists who came here and all the children at the John Gray High School were all in like, oh, they're so love him. And a lot of parents are like, what? Yeah, that's who your kids are looking up to. They're not looking up to Caymanian businessmen. Uh, again, look at Don Seymour, the first in this country to be a black unicorn, have a billion dollar company. A Caymanian did that. How many of your children know that? How many of them know the people that have built all of these nonprofit organizations? and work countless hours with dogs and this one and that one. Others have come in now and taken the lead. But in a lot of instances, it was Caymanians who were out there doing it initially. You see, when you don't know your own history and appreciate your own success stories and seek to elevate your own people, you will always be an easy target for outsiders. No one can infiltrate your home. Let's bring it back to a very common analogy. No one can infiltrate your home if your home is secure. So you know y'all be killing me about, I got a call the other day. Um, oh, my friend, um, husband cheating with this girl. He's an ex-inmate and she started seeing him. Now the problem is, I'm still waiting on the evidence to prove this, but the allegation is she was a um, probation officer when this relationship started. Now, if that is true, that's a problem because of her job. And she's not supposed to be having relationships with her clients, which include prisoners. The other part of it 
you know, I want to expose this woman because she cheated my husband. I said, hold on a second now. You know, this situation is a two-way street and oh, she can buy him nice things. And I said, well, if the husband wasn't open and receptive to being serviced, no amount of money in the world would be able to convince him. So if your home is weak, people will notice the weaknesses and they will come in. And yes, they will take your husband if he's available and willing. They will take your wife if she's available and willing. And Lord Jehovah, they'll move in, take your house and your children as well. If you're solid as a rock and there's no way to permeate that home, you can try to flirt with a woman or a man all you want. And in fact, when you start your shenanigans, they're going to put you in your place. They're going to say, no, TD. No, Bobo, not today. You don't talk to me. I don't know you. I have a husband. I'm happily married. Step back and stop messaging me. Don't call me. They're going to block your ass. So they're going to immediately put a stop to it. But you know what they say about Dappy knowing who to scare? People know who the weakest link is. People know when they can come into your house and run the show. And Steve seems to think that the Cayman Islands people are weak and he can do that. Well, Steve, um, some people are weak. And yes, we've got holes in, in our Cayman home as a people, for sure, without a doubt. But we're not going to quite just swing open the doors and let you in. Nope. Sorry for you. Louis, I have not been tested because um, I know it's a cold. <coughs> the respiratory symptoms and other stuff that are part of COVID. And you know what this says? It's not even a flu. It's just literally a head cold. Like it's literally just here. And I feel it breaking up. You know what? If I really wanted to kick this in his butt, what I should have done from the second I started to get the sore throat, I should have done my garlic regime. You know, one of the reasons why I seldom got sick in the past is I, the second I felt a little something, would start taking garlic as though garlic was a, a Tamiflu every couple hours. And child, let me tell you something. You might not want to kiss me in the moment, but garlic works. When other things wouldn't break this up, whew, maybe I'll have some garlic today. Should I forewarn my husband about the garlic situation? Hmm. But garlic works. So yes, I may very well have to um, to whip out some garlic. But yeah, it's, it's kind of moving. So today I feel it moving more from here. I do kind of feel it here now. And I think that that's going to be the last step before extraction. Oh, yes. Jess says another very Caribbean came in and saying, cow know where weak fence is. Yep. And that's where they're going to go and kick down and run them out and whatever. All right, Siobhan. <laughs> Siobhan full of jokes today. Huh? Siobhan says, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your husband. Because they're taking everybody around here. <laughs> ah. um, El Ray, I used some Vicks. Was that this morning? I think it was this morning or last night. I think it was this morning, you know, before I got in the shower with the hot steam and I did some Vicks, yes. And that definitely helps to extract it. Yes, Duppy, you know who to frighten. 
But guess what? We not no duppers around here now. Um, so folks, monkey no prickle tree. That's another saying. Wow, I didn't I, I don't think I really heard that one, but that makes sense. Uh Caymanians have a lot of very Caymanian saying. Um, Carlos saying, please don't block me. Why? Carlos, are you really contributing to the conversation? Or are you just talking pure foolishness? Because nothing you've said this morning makes any sense in relation to this conversation that we're having. Carlos, you're are you still overseas? How do you feel about Steve or expats trying to say, oh, you can't mandate that on a work permit or whatever other status we must be vaccinated? Carlos, if you keep the conversation to something sensible, we wouldn't have to block you. But you goes off on a crazy tangent, so you don't leave us a choice. Ugh. And, you know, I'm such a I'm such a soft hearted person at times. So forgiving, I must say. But like I was telling my neighbor yesterday, I'm one of them people. You might get one opportunity to take advantage of me, but you not get a second chance. Trust me on that. Lord, Carlos, take your medication now. Behave yourself. All right, good folks. I think that's all I got for you for today. You guys were wonderful as always. Um, thank you again to Sherry Ann and all of the, the beautiful and wonderful people who are stepping forward. Miss Sharon Smith, Sherry Ann, Miss Irma, everybody else who are trying to get this Banaka situation under control. One other thing we wanted to discuss is the school midterm breaks. In case you didn't see the memo, folks, school is out of session today for John Gray. Let me just pull up the story now. I'm trying to remember. John Gray and Clifton Hunter. This was sent out by the Department of Education uh, late yesterday. So I sympathize with parents, right? Because if you didn't have a plan for today, uh, you found yourself in a predicament where you're probably trying to call your employer and say, I got to find something for my children to do all of a sudden. Because a lot of you don't want your children just staying at home by themselves. So with no notice, the Ministry of Education has brought forward the dates um, when government primary and secondary schools will be taking their midterm break by two weeks due to a shortage of teachers because of the recent COVID outbreak. John Gray and Clifton Hunter closing today, Thursday, October the 7th. No notice. Oh, it's times like this. And I'm like, oh, thank God I work for myself. I mean, I don't have a child at either one of the schools. But if I did, I could flex with it. A lot of people don't have that option. And employers are not particularly nice about it. So I don't know what y'all are doing today, but it's sad. SciFec and Lighthouse School will close on Monday. And then I think all the other primary schools will be closing on Monday as well. So they've had um, John Graham, Clifton Hunter has been reduced by 16 persons. Now, let me tell you something. It's so interesting that this happened yesterday because uh, quite frankly, I had been receiving a lot of complaints from people associated with Clifton Hunter in particular. The parents were not happy because they weren't doing the testing properly. They were not... Um, I mean, everything was just a hot mess, right? Public health was supposed to shut there at one o'clock yesterday. By three o'clock, I was receiving messages that parents were starting to pick children up and public health was nowhere to be found. It was just a hot mess. Teachers 
are still there. They were told to come to work on Monday, even after the first positive case, and some of them have now tested positive. So other teachers would have been exposed because somebody didn't have it organized for Clifton Hunter. Now Clifton Hunter is blaming the Department of Education. They're saying, oh, we're waiting instructions from them. And the instructions are not particularly clear. Now, I don't know why this would be, because believe me, when I say to you that by the time Clifton Hunter had a positive case, they already had run through Georgetown Primary, Prospect Prime, all these other schools. This should be a well-oiled machinery in terms of we have a positive case in the classroom. These are the exact protocols. This is what we do. You speak with the school administration and you get on it. Why was there such confusion at Clifton Hunter? Only God knows. But I was hearing it up until late yesterday afternoon. And I was going to address it in a big way and tell them to get themselves together. Because y'all need to do better. And then they dropped this, oh, well, we're going to just close the school. Well, since you had midterm break coming up, that's fortuitous. But if you didn't have that, when were you going to get your act together? Now, I don't know who's to blame. Like I said, the school seems to be blaming um, the Department of Education, the ministry. I don't know. But get it together. Because I'm telling you, parents were complaining to me about what was happening. They were like, this is ridiculous. Everybody's floundering all over the place. Nobody seems to know what's going on. They don't know who was being tested from who wasn't being tested. Uh, Ms. Brennan says Monkey must know what he's going to do with his tail uh, when he ordered pants. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> Rawson says, my father said, you see how all of a sudden I get more congested? My father said well over 50 years ago that Cayman is like a net that catch anything that comes by. Yes, child. We don't understand um, the necessity to look at quality, even as it comes to importation of people. Uh, Jonathan is hoping to win the $100,000 from DMS. Uh, what? Oh, Carlos says he wants to run for politics. Carlos, poor you. We're, we're changing it from hashtag K-Mankind to K-Man-Mine. So we're not promoting K-Mankind no more, okay? Good, beautiful people. That's it. Show done. We went almost an hour over. Oh, my God. Look at the time already. Anyway, I better get to work because I got bills to pay. Uh, my husband just said to see, see Bill came in. I'm like, oh, Lord. Here we go. Folks, 7 o'clock this evening, you'll want to tune in right here. YouTube, Facebook. We've got uh, the good Dr. Klotman, who's joining us from Baylor University. You do not want to miss this. So many questions you can ask if you have any questions or concern about the vaccine, about COVID-19. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're giving you an opportunity as part of the CMR COVID Spotlight Series to do just that. Don't miss out on this. It's a wonderful series. Big shout out to Kevin Wattler, who's put this together. He's been contacting people. Oh, gosh. Hopefully, we'll have some local people on as well, talking about K-Man's preparedness as we continue to move ever so closely to open our, opening our borders. Until then, folks, y'all have a beautiful day. It is Thursday, after all. Friday, part one.
tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth make sure to check facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com subscribe to our ig and facebook pages to get the latest happenings 